you know where you are? Do you know where you are? is Appetite for Distortion. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando, episode... 55, and uh, I can't drive 55, but I can do 55 episodes about talking about Guns N' Roses, and um, if you haven't noticed, a brand new theme song, courtesy of Mike Squires. That is so cool. Squires from Duff McKagan's Loaded, uh, writing me the music. You know, that's heard nowhere else but on the AFD show, uh, show. so that's uh, that's pretty badass. And actually, uh, today's guest, we're going to be talking to, in just a little bit, uh, his bandmate from Loaded, and also his former bandmate from uh, Alien Crime Syndicate, uh, Jeff Rouse, coming up in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, that static you hear, I think that's just uh, the the noise from coming from overseas, from Skype, from from uh, where the hell are you? Uh, where are uh, you? Inverness in Scotland. Ah, yes, that's where you are, Ray. Ray yeah. Leslie, is that okay if I give your full that, name? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. Cool. So, uh, Ray is going to be my my guest co-host for today. And who is Ray? Well, I only know a little bit about Ray, but he's one of you. He's one of us. He's just a GNR fan, and I've been pretty lucky to, I guess, establish. You know, I don't want to be too forward, but establish relationships with over these fifty-five episodes. And you know, whatever the more vocal fans, you know, inboxes me on on, on Facebook a lot and always has comments. And after the the Mike Squires episode. Uh, you, you were really excited, and you uh, showed me the picture of your loaded tattoo, the same one that Duff has, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. On your forearm. And I think you actually yeah. just showed me this morning you and Duff side-by-side, side actually, with the same tattoo. Yeah, that's right, yeah. He looked scared. He was like, okay, man, same tattoo. What was his, rea- <laughs> what was his reaction yeah. when you showed him that? Uh, very, very good, actually. He was uh, Surprisingly, he was... Uh... He was he was quite he was quite happy with it, <laughs> from what I remember. It was quite quite a long time ago now. I thought that was pretty um, you know pretty radical. It's pretty radical. Radical, radical, radical. Because a lot of people have the the, the cross, the skull and crossbones, uh, the Guns yeah. and Roses tattoo, or variations of it. You don't really see too many loaded tattoos, um, but especially after doing the Squires episode and after I announced that Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross, uh, Jeff Rouse is coming on. Not the comedian, Jeff, Jeff that's Rouse. That's a different guy. <laughs> yeah, very, very different guy. Jeff Rouse coming on. Uh, just how much of a, a fan base uh, Loaded still has, even though they're inactive at the moment. Uh, but we'll get uh, all the updates on, on Loaded uh, from Jeff, his, his new EP. We'll talk about working with Tommy Stinson. And, you know, it's going uh, to be a good time. But, um, of course, so that's why I wanted to invite you on, because I kind of want to make this our show. It's like, yeah, I yeah. guess it's... You know, I lead whatever this. You know, I put this monstrosity together, but I, I think this is a cool opportunity for we fans just to kind of talk to, you know, who we who we listen to and just connect more than. And of course, we you know you guys uh, submitted questions, and uh, Ray's going to be reading those uh, a little bit later. Uh, but just to be a part of the show, I thought was a a cool element. So I appreciate you uh, you doing this, Ray. Well, no, thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. 
Yeah. So um, so you're in in Scotland. So it's almost 4 p.m. here on Sunday. Uh, we try to do this in real time. It's Easter Sunday, so I'm sorry I'm a horrible Jew and I'm making you and Jeff do radio on Easter Sunday. But then again, it's Passover, and I just I don't know. After I was bar mitzvah, I don't remember anything. Uh, yeah. So a very special Easter Passover episode of the AFD show. Uh, so it's five hours ahead, though, for you, right? Yeah, it's about uh, almost 20 to 9 in okay. the evening here. Are you, yeah. Would you normally be going to bed soon to get ready for work? Uh, I'd want you probably uh, not too long, but because uh, it's see, the Easter weekend, it's a bank holiday, so we're all off tomorrow, all of work. Oh, oh so you work in a bank? No, it's just that's what you, they call local holidays in the UK, bank holidays. Oh, all right. See, yeah. I, I, I like this. I really uh, <laughs> I like how GNR has connected uh, all of us from all parts of the world, and I just learn different things. And uh, we're going to kick things off as we normally do, right, Ray, with uh, some shotgun news. Yeah. News. Oh, I'm such an idiot. So um, <laughs> first and foremost, I, I want to thank uh, Alternative Nation, uh, Brett Buchanan, because as of last episode, we are uh, the very first podcast featured on AlternativeNation.net. Uh, he would like to build a rock podcast um Station, are you are you taking pictures over there? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, that was my work phone. Sorry. <laughs> okay, oh, I thought your wife was like taking pictures of you or something. No, that's fine. <laughs> hey, I got sound effects. Oh, Axel. You got sound effects. That's no, pretty. That's yeah. pretty awesome. So, um, you know, it's just very cool. He wants to would like to build uh, on Alternative Nation, kind of like a rock podcast network. And uh, I guess I'm the first to join. And basically, nothing changes on my end, other than just hopefully more exposure. And just whatever connections he has. And so hopefully it will lead to bigger and better guests. I mean, I've been very lucky to what, who I've spoken to thus far. But, you know, the, the whole point, I think, for me of doing a podcast is to continuously uh, expand. So, um, you know, thanks again to Alternative Nation. And the first episode he put up was with Roberta Freeman. And uh, did you listen to that episode, Ray, yet? Yeah, yeah, I just finished it uh, on Friday. Wow, 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 lovely lady. I was just blown away. Uh, just how cool she is and the stories that she had, especially the way that she was treated by management was just extremely yeah. disappointing. Uh, I know there have been, um, uh, I'll give them credit, my uh, GNR Central, they just did uh, an interview with Doug Goldstein. And um, I, I didn't, I mean, it's three hours is a lot for me. I really can't listen to even my own podcast other than when I have to edit it. <laughs> and that's, that's just honestly the truth. But Alternative Nation did uh, transcribe. That's why they're great. They transcribed uh, them in that interview and, I don't know. Doug is an interesting character, um, and we got uh, a little insight even when we interviewed Alan Niven. So, I mean, if we ever get Doug on here, I mean, I, I mean, he was just interviewed, so I have no intention of reaching out to him anytime soon. I mean, what am I going to get from him now? Yeah. Um, but it was just—it's just disappointing to hear how we treated the band from Alan and from Roberta. Um, I don't know. So, if you haven't listened to Roberta's episode, it is just—it's also inspiring. Her story—it is inspiring. Uh, also part of uh, Shotgun News, this was brought to my attention. I, I won't mention his name uh, out of respect, but I know it's public knowledge, but I just don't listen to satellite radio. I mean, yes, I did work for, for SiriusXM for a year. Technically, I worked for the Archdiocese of New York, and as we all know, I'm a Jew, uh, but the, for the Catholic Channel. <laughs> and, yeah, so I don't know. It was like my way to get into Sirius was to work for the Catholic Channel. Uh, but yeah. even then, I just didn't pay for it. However, uh, Shooter 
Uh, Shooter Jennings has a show on there, right? Uh, on the Outlaw Channel. And yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was now it's public knowledge. I don't know the full details, but he seems to be producing a new record from Duff. I don't know more than that. I did tweet at Shooter to see if like he can verify that because again, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to Sirius. So if anyone does and can find that clip, because I do have replays, uh, send it my way. And of course, I'll credit Sirius in his show because uh, I would like to hear it. Um, but the the public details from this third party uh, is that they recorded a few, a few songs and they may have a whole album. He doesn't know if it's loaded. You know, it might be different. I don't know. We can inquire from Jeff if he has anything to do with it. Uh, that's just, I don't know, more fascinating just because we know Slash is doing stuff with the conspirators. Uh, we, I guess we know Axel is doing stuff with ACDC. And now I guess Duff is doing something, <laughs> whatever it is, whatever it is. So I, I don't know if you, you didn't hear anything of, uh, about that, right, Ray? I've not. I've not heard anything other than what you've said to myself but I, I know that Stuart Jennings and, uh, has got a bit of a history with with uh, Duff and, and Slash because he auditioned for Velvet Revolver uh, the first time around and I think he was asked to go back again after Scott left mm, okay. uh, yeah That's uh, back in the early 2000s uh, when before Velvet Revolver were together he had a band called Stargun okay. on the Sunset Strip okay. and uh, I think they were looking at him quite strongly mm. uh, before they got Scott in yeah I'm wondering if when, you know, after Scott left and before he passed away, when they, they still they still were looking for a lead singer for Velvet, if he was even reconsidered. There's so many uh, side stories and just like spin-off sitcoms, for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> of, uh, of Guns N' Roses. Um, and, and this I want to get to before we get to, uh, to Jeff in a few minutes. So this was posted on a, a popular Guns N' Roses Facebook page that I frequent and, and you should frequent too. Uh, hashtag GNFNR fanspot, uh, hashtag not in this lifetime. So I guess it's just GNFNR fanspot. Uh, Dizzy Reed was actually seen out and about wearing the official uh, T-shirt of uh, oh, wow. fanspot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a very inclusive, really cool Facebook page. And I think I mentioned uh, several shows ago that there was a fan who made, um, you know, not to make it uh, totally sad right away, but I had to put like a suicidal message on and, uh, all the the followers of that page, you know, were su- support uh, supporting comments, inboxing him and his family and friends. And from what we know, the person posted later saying thank you. You know, it was just I had an episode or whatever. So uh, it seems to be a very positive community. So this was posted yesterday, and I'm glad I took a, cre- a screenshot. And I'll apologize to uh, to Jamie Adler right away that I did take the screenshot because it's down right now. The, this post. So Jamie yeah. Adler, being Stephen Adler's brother. And we haven't heard too much from Stephen. I mean, other. I mean, he is hyping Adler's appetite with a new singer that we're not going to know until uh, May 10th when they open up for. Oh, excuse me, when they when Classless Act opens up for Adler's appetite. And I will say this too, uh, uh, Classless Act. This will be part of Shotgun uh, Shotgun News too. Uh, they enter on another new lead singer, and I like this guy so much better than the first one. Uh, follow them. Yeah, he on, sounds great, doesn't he? Oh yeah, it's like night and day, you know. And mm. to be honest, uh, and I, I messaged uh, Chris, their manager. Um, it's just like this guy is so much better. He's like, yeah, I agree, and like a lot of the comments, like, yeah, I agree. So I'm actually, and I hate that we made it when they had their first guy. I mean, he had an okay voice, but I was not excited. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. But this yeah. this new guy seems to be awesome. So so follow a classless act on Instagram. They do a lot of 
uh, live videos, live rehearsals. So it's just uh, it's getting you amped for what uh, London Hudson, you know, Slash's son, uh, the drummer, uh, Nico Sangaris, the the guitarist, and uh, you know their their new band is gonna be like and their first gig opening up for Adler's Appetite. And I wish I asked Alex Grassi off the air who the, the new band is, even though I couldn't say it on air. Now I, I just forgot to ask him because I'm an idiot. So I'm gonna find <laughs> out with the rest of you. Um, so anyway, as I'm building this up, so Jamie Adler puts uh, th- this post y- uh, yesterday. So as I said, we're taping this on Easter. Uh, he puts some pictures uh, of Adler, so th- um, down his brother. So he starts it off like this. This man right here is what you call a true survivor. He went all the way to the depths of hell and was able to make it back alive. When most died, he lived. What an amazing story of redemption my brother has to tell. Salute to the greatest big brother, grooviest drummer I've ever known. This man is a heart of gold, the biggest heart of anyone uh, in his caliber. The most humble, loving, gracious person I've and anyone else who ever met him has known. I can read. Uh, if only, <laughs> and the, here's where it gets, um, I don't know, it's, this is where it's going to get fishy, I guess. If only Slash, Axel, and Duff had 10% of the heart this man had, then maybe he would be on tour with GNR. If those guys had an ounce of decency, compassion, love, care, and acceptance, maybe they would have allowed my brother to play more than just one song in Argentina after they flew him all the way out there and teased him, in all capital letters, to play only one song. All capital letters again, one song only. The only only, uh, thing fans want to see is Adler back behind the kit especially since the world knows Adler is no longer on drugs or alcohol. It took him longer to drive down the hill from his house to the bottom uh, than he was allowed to perform on stage in Argentina. What kind of inhumane people would ever be that cruel to someone? Greedy, selfish people only. Without Steven Adler, there would, uh, would never have been GNR or the greatest rock album of all time. Adler did reach, uh, did teach Slash, okay, hold on, I'm moving on, did teach Slash his first guitar chord and gave him his first guitar. This is a long uh, message. Uh, from all, for all we know, Slash never met, if uh, Slash never met Adler, he may have never have found the guitar. Uh, people forget to often, uh, people uh, forget to often, I, I mean, I'm trying to read this, people forget to often where they come from. He, I think he forgot a word there. Uh, I guess forget where they've come from is what he's trying to surmise. Uh, let's yeah. remind <laughs> let's remind Slash right now how he picked up even being the greatest guitar player of our generation. Steven Adler handing you your first guitar. Facts. Uh, Adler's groove made that album what it is today. Uh, that's why no other drummer since Adler has been able to duplicate that sound in GNR. It's a gift from God, not any drum lesson could teach you and what he was born with. They have no heart since that's why he has to go out and do his own thing. He loves the fans so much, and he wants to play for each and every one of you. Do you actually think Steven Adler got sober and changed his entire life, lifestyle to sit around his house and do nothing? Nope. He did it so he can finish what he started. My brother is stronger than ever and will show the world once again this May when he begins his worldwide tour with his own band. You would think the guys in GNR would be overly proud uh, that their once fallen brother has returned to health and happiness and would want to share their newfound success with him this time around. Well, my brother is alive, and so it's never too late. I write this because I see a lot of fans making comments on why Adler is doing his own thing and not with GNR. 
Uh, please ask GNR that Adler would love to be back on stage with GNR. That's his dream. He has never been healthier and more alive, as you see in all his pics. For all who struggle, uh, for all who struggle with addiction and life issues, my brother is an example, an inspiration that you can turn your life around and live a life beyond your wildest imagination. He can clean up. Uh, if he can clean up, then it proves anyone can. I send all my love and respect to all who read this and love to all those who may disagree with what I said. I felt it was necessary to get this off my chest. GNR is and will always be the greatest five-piece rock and roll band of my generation. I'm just grateful I was a little part of it. My brother is alive and well today, and I want the whole world to know this. And he tagged his brother in the post. So, again, that's from uh, Jamie Adler, younger brother of, uh, of Steven. So, uh, that was a mouthful. Um, what, what are your, your impressions, Ray? Oh, I don't know. I just, uh, I never really know what to think about uh, what they, what sometimes they, uh, like, Jamie's got to say or uh, Stephen's mum's got to stay, say as well. Sometimes I don't think they help them, themselves in this situation either. But I get what you're saying because, I mean, in my opinion, no one's ever been able to recreate what Stephen did on the drums. I just think it's, yeah. even when he came on stage uh, at the, you know, the one-off shows, it it felt like it felt like Guns N' Roses yeah. straight away yeah it really did you just felt the bounce that I don't think anyone else has been able to recreate in the drums no you're right and no. uh, I went back to, to go re-listen to uh, the Stephen Adler interview that he did on Eddie Trunk uh, when he kind of says the like he doesn't know why he was flown out uh, just to mm. do one song and you know that he felt he was up to do the Troubadour so I'm listening to that again so this still must be, you know, even though Stephen is is ready to gear up for his new band, this is still obviously, uh, you know, um, a sore spot. This still hurts him clearly, and yeah. if it's hurting him, it's hurting his brother. I mean, I'm uh, the oldest of, of four. I, if anyone hurts any of my brothers, you know, they're hurting me at the same time, if not more so. Uh, but I, before Jamie t- did take that down, you know, you would see uh, um, comments. Some, and I, I had posted also because thank you for sharing your feelings. And others are going to mm. be like, this is why Stephen can't get back in the band, comments like this. And and, and Jamie was just kind of fighting back uh, a little bit with it. Um, but you, you're right. I mean, I, I can only, I mean, I, I get both angles of it. You know, if you're Jamie and you're Stephen, it's just like, in, in, assuming everything they say is correct, he's clean, sober, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and there's no reason to believe that that's not the case. Uh, then I understand why they're upset. Uh but as far as like you know the way Axel has been, you know he likes to keep things close to the chest. You know maybe this he doesn't want this, and it makes mm. me just just think of you know what is the relationship between him and Frank? Maybe they have a certain relationship now. And again, when I mentioned before, listening to the Adler interview on with uh with Eddie Trunk, and he's just like you know it wasn't the same when I went there. You know it was cool, but like Izzy once wasn't there. He's like Richard is great. You know what an amazing guitar player. But it's like yeah. it's not the same, so I just think that's it's a really damned if you do, damned if you don't, because we're lucky that we have what we have now. Yeah, I agree. But no, it's definitely. But it sucks because it seems like you know, as we found out with our Alan Niven interview, that Izzy was at least there for one show, uh, sound yeah. check. I don't think he, I don't know if he participated in the sound check, but he was there during the sound check, and and Steven still wants to be a part of it, so. Uh, we shall see. Uh, it, it's because now it's just like you, when you, I say, you say these things, I feel bad because Richard has been in the band longer than Izzy. 
Yeah, uh, you know? exactly. Yeah. And Frank seems and, like such an awesome dude, but and it's like yeah. nothing against them. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I I honestly think just now, you know, I mean, there's no way that the I mean the way what Richard does, Izzy would never be able to do that, either. Uh, and. I what do you mean? It's like far as like touring and stuff. Well, no, well, I, 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 more than what he plays. Okay. You know, when they go up there and they do, uh, say when they do Wish You Were Here, you know, you're not going to get that from Izzy the way that Richard does it. And, you know, I think, I think there's, I, I just think there's a certain way that the band is working now. And I don't think Izzy would, re, would, would fit in the same. I mean, I want Izzy to be there as much as the next person, but I actually love the band they have now. I think they, they work brilliantly together. I like it too. You know, I like yeah. uh, Melissa being in the band. I like what it is. Yeah, I she's just, great. I, I would like, if anything, just more. Then now, like, I just don't even know what to say. Like, oh, more appearances, but there wouldn't be more appearances. It just seems like it's going to be all or nothing for mm-hmm. Steven going forward. Yeah, definitely. So I, I don't know. It's just. Um, just more fodder, I guess, for us to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it's just upsetting uh, just to know that there, he's still in pain uh, with this. Um, yeah. And he's always been the most vocal one. He has. Steven, you know, he he's has. Just, he's, then he's been more vocal than anyone about wanting to get the band back together. And now that they've done it, it's like he's he can't, he's, he's not involved. And I can imagine how much it's hurting him. Mm. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's sad. So I guess I wanted to, you know, bring uh, all of that uh, to your attention. You know, the the because I I made sure I screenshot it, like I said, because I'm like I feel like this is going to be taken down, mm-hmm. and it was. So I mean, I did put it up on our Facebook and our Twitter. So if you do want to read it uh, yourself and and kind of digest it, because you just you never know where someone's coming from, and and he, you just felt the passion, you felt the hurt there uh, from his brother. But what is, what is he going to accomplish, I guess? So I don't know what he was trying to maybe accomplish other than maybe just getting it off his chest, which is totally cool. Yeah. Uh, just getting it off his chest. So that's it. Uh, so that does it for uh, Shotgun News. News. All right. So now we have to uh, get on Mr. Jeff Rouse. Hello. Brando. Hey, is this Jeff? It is. Hello, buddy. How are you, sir? Happy Easter. <laughs> and April Fool's Day. And Passover, I think. I forget how many. I'm a, yeah. I'm a horrible Jew. I forget like when it ends. Uh, I, I can't keep it all straight. It's Sunday, right? <laughs> yes, it's Sunday. And also, uh, Jeff, say hello to uh, Ray Leslie. He's uh, a fan of yours. He's on the phone from Scotland. Ray, how are you? That name seems really familiar to me. Um, but uh, hello, yeah, buddy. Probably. <laughs> yeah. You've probably seen it commenting on a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. But uh, you know, yeah. um, social social media friends, real friends, it's all the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. How you do, Jeff? Yeah. And the reason I asked Ray to uh, to come on uh, after the interview uh, with your buddy Mike Squires, uh, mm-hmm. he he inboxed me and he was like, "Oh my god, he's my favorite guitarist ever!" And he's like, "I even got a loaded tattoo." So he has the same tattoo uh, that Duff has on his arm. Oh, the, the, oh, that's so awesome! Thank you. That's that's well, that's just really cool. And Mike is an amazing guitar player. What a dork! <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, I, I didn't. Um, I mean, I, you can listen to it. I guess after the episode, but Mike made us a new theme song. But if you want, I, I could play it. Oh, you heard it already? Okay. I well, he. You know, me and Mike, me and Mike talk every day. So 
Um, I, cause he's, I also requested for him to make me my own theme song. Okay. Um, so it, uh, he, uh, he actually sent me, I don't know if it's the finished version, but he did send me a little link to something he was working on for you guys. And it was great. Oh yeah. No, it's awesome. And I just put like a little, uh, you know, axle thing at the beginning and the voiceover appetite for distortion on it, but it's still primarily, <laughs> it's still his, awesome. uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's so cool that, um, you know, you and Squires are so like accessible and so just nice to your fans. I mean, you like he didn't have to do that. The fact that you know you're coming on, I don't know if your family's mad at you if you should be doing an Easter egg hunt oh, or something. Oh no, 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 no! I have no problem. This is great. I appreciate you you having me on, and and of course we're we're just just people that play musical instruments in a rock band. You know, <laughs> there's no there's not, there's no reason we should be other otherwise. You know, right on. But you, as I'm sure you may have you know come across, there are some people who just think they're above it. You know, for whatever reason. I mean, I've dealt with people like that in cover bands, you know, for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, yeah, to each their own. I get it. Um, maybe, maybe that's a, a, Pacific North, a Pacific Northwest kind of uh, character trait for some reason. I'm not exactly sure, but, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, just regular fellas. So that means you're calling from uh, Seattle, right? I am. I'm actually, yes. I will, I'm calling from Puyallup, which is where my parents live, which is about an hour south of uh our south of where i grew up our south of seattle okay okay but i haven't i have yet to be to uh to go to seattle i wouldn't love to because it's just like, yeah so how, how does that happen you need to get it you need to get out here i mean everyone like one who's been to la i mean i haven't been to la the furthest out west i've ever been is minnesota so what does that tell you oh minnesota's cool too where where, where we uh where were you at in minnesota i actually went to the mayo clinic because i don't know if um i've if you've heard this in past episodes or whatever, but uh, I have a neurological disability. So when I was younger, oh, my dad oh, took me to, uh, yeah, to the Mayo Clinic just to, and it was cool. I think where else did we go? I don't know if we went to a Twins game or not. I don't think we did. <laughs> but it's like it's like a it's a beautiful. I went to like Rochester, just a beautiful city. But I just have yet oh, to really m- make it out west. You know why? Because working yeah, in. Minnesota- a ra- Go ahead. No, I was just saying Minnesota's great. Um, just during the winter, it's awful. Not 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 the people or the place. It's just I'm not a huge fan of super snowy, crazy, wintry places. It's just a pain. And uh, but uh, yeah, Minnesota's great. Oh yeah, um, it's uh, but no. It's, now I'm just thinking about the winter because even though it's April first and it's not an April Fool's joke, it's gonna snow again tonight here in New York City. Like, I is just, it really? Yep, and then possibly oh, again next weekend. Yeah, there we go. I'm about to go outside with my aerosol can and just speed up the global warming. I can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, anymore. just go ahead and do it. It's not going to hurt anything. <laughs> so uh, on the phone is uh, is Jeff Rouse. Uh, you may know him from uh, Duff McKagan's Loaded, of course. Uh, also uh, with Mike Squires, and he was also with uh, Mike and Alien Crime Syndicate as well. Uh, he had a, a brief stint in uh, in Fozzie with Chris Jericho. Stupid idiot. You heard that right. <laughs> uh, I love it. I couldn't help it. You just made the list. I hope to get. Oh him. my god. I hope to get him on at one point. Um, but I guess we we and then you also have worked with uh, Tommy Stinson, right? Former uh, GNR bassist. I did. Yeah. So yeah, I, I played with him on the uh, Village Gorilla Head solo record tour, and I just did a tour with him just last year in Bash and Pop. Awesome. So we're gonna get to all that, but uh, for, and we're gonna, I want to find out about you for, and that's where we're gonna start. But I guess okay. there's gonna be a preamble to the start because I guess I have to call out my own idi- idiocy first. Uh, no. No. When uh, we announced that Squires was coming on, and what I've been doing, I, I you know, I ask fans like, hey, if you want to submit questions, because I want, you know, it's not a lot, it's not live radio, it's a podcast, but I want fans mm-hmm. to be as 
involved as possible so people can leave comments on my Facebook post and Twitter. Some inbox me. And then I get a message from, I was like, a Jeff, whatever. And, you know, oh, you got my buddy Squires on. I was like, haha, yup. Have any questions for him? And you're like, nope, he's a, well, you know, he's one of my best friends. I'm like, okay, uh, all good. Then I think like a week went by. I'm like, wait a minute. That's like, that's Jeff Rouse from the band. His like the same band. I'm asking if he has any questions for his bandmate. Like, I just. I love it though. Well, see, I love to I love to bust Mike Squire's balls at, at, at all times, and so like, and he was really excited to come on. And I, I just thought it was great. I love listening to him talk and ramble, and he's just so damn funny. And um, I was just stoked, you know. So yeah, no, it was great. I mean, you had every reason to, and it was very cool for you just to, to comment, just um, you know, that like your band member is going to be interviewed. You're going to be like, yeah, yeah, we've done interviews before, blah blah blah. But the fact that like I was just so oblivious. To like who well, I'm sure you, I follow I'm sure you, you on Twitter. Messages. Oh, but yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's just yeah, it's all right, man. It's uh, it was kind of out of the blue, and you have enough other stuff going through your head. I'm sure. It was, I thought it was funny. It is funny. It is. Funny. I mean, that's that's my excuse, you know, other than whatever brain cells I killed in college. But yeah. it's just like you, may, was, you maybe should you maybe should get your shit together just a little. <laughs> bit. But, um, it's, it's all right. You know. You know. You'll be fine. You're gonna, you're gonna go a long way, kid. Oh, thank you. Because <laughs> I was, I'm like, who would you know? No one of note of it has ever inboxed. It's always like a fan, and I don't know. It's not like it was, um, you know, like Axl Rose inboxed me. Although that wouldn't, like, I can't imagine that happening, unless it's. Hey, you never know. Well, I mean, usually if that happens, and you do see that, especially with Slash, it's usually somebody, you know, it's uh, a troll or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you're. You know, no offense. I don't know if you're famous famous enough to have like a whole troll uh, account dedicated to you. Uh, there's, it's, I, I don't know if it's famous. I think anybody that's in kind of the public eye, whether you want to call it famous or whatever, there's been fake accounts and stuff like that. But this, you know, that can happen for you know Joe construction worker too. You know what I mean? Just yeah, sure. The, the, the internet's a really strange, weird, funny place. And uh, yes, there has there is there is stuff like that. But, yes, but, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so Jeff Rouse, who I I know who you are, um, again, <laughs> thank you for uh, for coming on. I know you're, you know you're super busy, and uh, I did. Um, we can play a little bit later. I, I did have a, a clip of your your new song off your upcoming up, uh, EP. I said AP for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get there, but I want to find out more about you. So you said you grew, okay. up, you grew up in Seattle, right? Is that what you just said before? I grew up in, well, in Puyallup, which is, uh, I know it's kind of a hard word to say. It's about an hour south. That's where I'm at now. It's about an hour south of Seattle. And yeah, I grew up here and kind of as soon as I was old enough to uh, kind of start exploring outside of this little city, that's, you know, I ended up in Seattle uh, pretty, you know, uh, 19 or so. I, you know, I started, you know, me and my band rented a one not even one, yeah, one bedroom, a little tiny one bedroom apartment, uh, right up in Seattle. And we all lived in there. There was probably seven of us that lived there. You know, just your standard rock band stuff, you know, um, all for one, one for all, you know, kind of at the height. Uh, and, you know, this is around, gosh, you know, the uh, late 80s, early 90s here in Seattle. So it was, you know, kind of at the height of uh, the craziness, for sure. Was that, um, was you, that was like the beginning of grunge, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of, um, I always ask everybody this, like what kind of a, a kid were you, were you? Like what drew you to the music that you play? You know, was it well, your parents? Was it something in school that happened? Friends? How did that come about? It was, it was friends. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, I grew up around music, obviously. Um, my parents listened to all kinds of great music from, you know, uh, Michael Jackson to 
to the, you know, the Eagles, to Chicago, to, you know, just this, this stuff of, of that era. And um, so I was always around great music. Um, but I, I found pretty quickly that I wasn't a good athlete and I wasn't super interested in homework and, and all of that stuff. And I, you know, sixth grade or so, I started playing some acoustic guitar because a teacher would give after school guitar lessons. And I played the saxophone and the violin and, and all those things and just didn't connect. Uh, then when I got into junior high is when, at least, you know, here in the States or wherever, when you get into junior high, that's when you really start meeting different kids and you're kind of at that age and you're starting to meet kids from outside of your neighborhood and all of that thing. And I got to be friends with this guy, Tony, and um, he played guitar. He told me to play guitar. I thought that was really cool. But one day I went to his house and his older brother had a band and they were rehearsing in the basement and it was the fucking coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I, I sat there. I couldn't say a word. We sat on this couch in the basement and just watched them practice. And they were playing covers from, you know, God, back then, what, Van Halen and Iron Maiden and, and uh, you know, just all of that stuff. And I just couldn't believe how cool it was. It was just, I, I was just sold. I just had to figure out how to do it. And so me, Tony, played guitar and um Ninth, so this is about ninth grade then. We're going into high school. We started to play together. And then in high school, you start meeting more people. And I got my parents to buy me a bass guitar because they had – he found a drummer and a singer and a keyboard player. And um, and I always sang. And I, and uh, But, uh, you know, I'm like, well, I can play bass. And I got my parents to buy a $200 bass. And um, that was kind of it. And we started playing assemblies and dances and doing all of that stuff and it was just the thing that I connected with it was the one thing that I could do and I could do well um and it was all about me and um and I mean that in the way that it was something that I would sit in my bedroom and play to records and and, take, and, it, and it, I found my world in my head that world that I always looked for that didn't make sense when I was trying to play basketball or football or soccer or any of that stuff and it was a way for me to connect with like, Oh my gosh, I'm connecting with people that understand how I'm feeling and this thing and the music. And, and it was just so great. And, um, you know, not knowing, you know, when I was a little kid, I just pictures of me as a little kid, probably as five or six at like family gatherings, Christmases and stuff. I would put on headphones and stand on top of the stereo and sing to records, not really knowing. I think I just want, was also a little bit of a ham and I wanted attention. There's all the stuff, you know, most of us musicians have a lot of issues, whether it be, you know, all that stuff. So that just kind of carried with me until I actually started to really play real music with real people and be loud and make mistakes and figure it out. And, um, you know, I had those daydreams of what, you know, oh, I'm going to walk on a big stage, all that stuff. But is, is that really reality at that age? I'm not sure, but somehow I just had the wherewithal and the, maybe the drive to, Maybe it's stupidity. I'm not sure, but it's the one thing that I couldn't let go of, if that makes sense. No, it does. But it's interesting because um, you p first got the bass because that's like just what that first band needed. Is that why? Yep, absolutely. Yep. So that's kind of a, a bit of like kind of like a fate or, or destiny that you could have not stuck with the bass, but you just I guess gravitated towards it, or just it just fit. I guess. Uh, it just. No, it was literally, I think you're absolutely right. It was literally, that's what was needed to be in that band with my best friend. And if I wanted to hang out with like, you know, like, I'm not going to be in this band. I'm not going to hang out with Tony anymore because he's always going to be rehearsing and stuff. And they already have a singer. And so I can't be the singer. 
Um, so, and I had kind of played guitar a little bit and like, well, I'll play bass. Yeah. Why not? Like, you know, um, and, um, it was, you know, maybe it's fate, whatever it is, you know, and I've always played guitar also, but bass, you know, I'm a bass player. Um, and I found that out pretty quickly. I took a couple lessons and started to figure out Paul McCartney riffs and, and, and all this other stuff. Um, and, um, it's it just pretty quickly. I just, I knew it was my thing. Would you say, uh, like, who would be your first bass influence? Would it be Sir Paul? Probably, I would say so. Yeah, yeah for sure. You can't go um, in there. Yeah, you know, um, you know, from Paul on, um, like I'm Paul, like I know him from Paul McCartney <laughs> on. Um, and it's been a thing throughout my life is I always gravitated toward melodic bass players. Maybe it was because I could hear the bass note. You know, um, you know, I'd hear ACDC and Iron Maiden was a kind of a thing too. Like I always just if I could, back then, you know, there's no tabs and there's no. I mean, at least I didn't know of any. Like I would put on a cassette or vinyl and have to learn these bass lines by listening, stopping, rewinding, trying to hear the bass line, like an untrained ear, trying to understand what a bass line is doing, all those things. So it makes sense to me now, maybe in the way that I play, but also the bass players that are my favorite bass players were always the ones that brought a melodic sense to the music. And, um, and maybe that's destiny. Also, I'm not exactly sure, but um, it was just the one thing I could pick up and it, and it just seeped its way into my, also my bass playing, hopefully, you know, what was that first band? Like, like do oh, you remember, just a what, what was the name you of know, the band? Uh, do you remember? Oh, uh, what were we called? Revelation, maybe revolution. I, God, I can't remember. Um, cause we would just play covers at dances and then, you know, at, uh, like football booster parties. Like we figured out pretty quickly that we could play, um, these, uh, like, uh, like the, uh, all the parents of the football players would have these, um, fundraisers, um, to raise, you know, for jerseys or how, whatever that worked, how that worked back then. And we get more girls, you know, the football players or you guys in the band. Oh, football players for sure. <laughs> you know, but, but I did realize pretty quickly, um, going in after the summer, now being in a band and getting my hair cut cool and like doing this thing, all of a sudden, like other girls I mean, uh, girls were more attracted to me, but I knew right away that that was bullshit. Um, okay. Because I was the same dude. Now I just had a, a base on and my haircut was a little bit different. It was the same girls that weren't looking at me the year before. Um, maybe my conf- maybe that helped my confidence also. You know, yeah. there's so many factors, but I never have been lost on the fact that all that stuff, it's smoke and mirrors. You know what I mean? Um, you, people that take that stuff too seriously, it's, I mean, it's all good for the ego and, and whatnot, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just a funny thing. Hmm. What you um, I'm just with that band. What was the like, or at your time? Because you said you you know if you could take it seriously, you know, you mm-hmm. stupidly. I mean, did you have a like a goal in mind, or were you just enjoying playing with your friends and that's it? Or did no, you hey, we, we want to make no, our own just, write our own tunes at some point? I hadn't even hadn't even got to the the point yet where I started to write at that point. Um, you know, this is the beginning and I'm always envious of these kids, other bands that I see coming up and I'm like, how at 15 or 16 or 17 have you, how are you always, I mean, already writing these amazing songs. And, um, I wasn't there yet. It was just really cool to be playing music and we figured out pretty quickly that we could make money doing it. So we play these part, par- I guess I was going to say we we play these parties for the parents and stuff and they pay us like God, maybe back there was three or two, three, four hundred bucks or something. But as a high school kid, you're playing once a month, making 50 bucks on your own. Um, That's a big deal. 
big deal, you know, and um, I wasn't doing it because of the money, but I was like, wait a minute, like, this is, so we get to rehearse and play music, and then we go play these songs in front of people, and they pay us money to do that, and holy shit, that's awesome, you know, um, uh, so maybe that hooked me a little bit, it was just all the factors, it was, I think, you know, girls, and people talk about girls and money and all that stuff, but it really comes back to me. It was just the one thing that I figured out on my own that I did well and that like it was it was it was the thing that I connected to. And it was the thing that I knew that I wanted to do in some capacity. Hmm. And you you hear a lot like when people like where they grow up and of course famously Axel and leaving uh, Lafayette to go to LA. Mm-hmm. Uh but I haven't heard too much on this show about the Seattle scene. Like, did mm-hmm. you want to leave or it was just like, okay, I can still, I can make it here. You know, cause there are even, like, I think even uh, Roberta Freeman, our last episode, I mean, growing mm-hmm. up in New York, I mean, this mm-hmm. New York is still New York, but she knew she had to move to LA, LA where mm-hmm. is where everything was happening. So did you? Well, I, I, I did end up moving to LA, um, okay. but, but that was, you know, so, so I guess, um, how do I go about all this? So I graduated from high school, went to community college, um, and then started meeting even, you know, you keep going through school and, and meeting different people and different musicians. Well, then I um, uh, met other people, musicians at the community college, and um, I went to a dance club one night because there wasn't a lot of local shows down here south of Seattle. I had seen some stuff at skating rinks and some pretty cool stuff. Um, but I saw this rocker dude over in the corner. There's a bunch of girls and people around him. He's handing out flyers. So I kind of just walk over there and he handed me a flyer and it said, uh, mother love bone, Alice in chains, black is black and, uh, tramp alley were the four bands. And it was at the Kent skate King, um, which is halfway between Puyallup and Seattle. And I believe it was on Halloween of 1988. Maybe I might be wrong. Maybe 89. I'm sorry. But um, so I went to this skating rink and I walked in the door and uh, there was four or 500 people exactly like me. And I couldn't believe it. I didn't know who any of the bands were. Never heard of them. Never heard a, a lick of anything. But I walked in and the band started and I have goosebumps now talking about it. It was it that literally was that night when I walked in that door changed my life. That was the night where I realized there was something out there that I hadn't seen or been a part of. And I had just found it. And I saw Alice, I saw Alice in Chains come out on stage and Lane had a mohawk. Mm-hmm. And um, the first line out of his mouth, I think I believe it was that song. was like, you say you don't like the way I look. Well, fuck off. That was the first thing he said. And this band was amazing. And I'm like, who is like, and he was, those guys were so good. And I was blown away. And then they got off stage and, um, Mother Love Bone came on stage and I, I, I just couldn't, the whole night still, I can remember every moment of the night. I still have the flyer. Um, oh, wow. And from that night, I, I started to get more flyers and I'd go to more shows, which I met more people. And then I ran into a guy and said, this band, this band needed a bass player and you should go down and try out. I'm like, okay, tell him I'll show up on Friday. And I showed up on Friday. They had no idea I was showing up. I showed up with my bass and my amp. I walked in the rehearsal room. They're like, who are you, dude? And I'm like, well, Les told me that, you know, and I joined this band. It was called the Rhino Humpers. And we were kind of a glammy, psychedelic, weird, funky. Uh, and that was, uh, that was January of 1990. And, uh, and through that band, we, and that was the, the height. And we were in Tacoma. I was living in Tacoma at this point, which is a half hour south of Seattle. 
And um, we just started playing shows. And back then, we kind of built up a following. And um, you could play three, four. You could be a band and survive because everyone at this point now is flocking to Seattle area. All the clubs are packed. You can make money. And we had a band house and a van and all the stuff. We'd play. And that's all I did. I quit, I quit college, much to my parents' chagrin. Mm-hmm. Quit my job. Working at UPS. Um, and we started playing. And um, Did you have the long they, hair when you were a UPS driver, or you had to tuck it under? Oh, I always had. I had long hair. I, I've had pretty much hair since I could get away with it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was just part of my deal. I always did. I have a Charlie Brown head, so it hides my big noggin. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's still through that. And then you just start playing in Seattle. And, 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 and I was kind of a little bit of a generation, you know, a few years younger than all of these guys at the point, the Alice guys in Soundgarden and Mother LeBone and, you know, all this stuff. Um, but I'd see them play and I'd, you know, um, then I, it's, it, I could go on for hours about this stuff. I saw every band come through town. There was the Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, I'd already, I was a heavy metal kid and I, but I was also kind of a new wave kid. Um, and all this stuff made sense to me because most of these bands brought a little bit of all of that to the music. So yeah. it really made sense to me. Um, and, and, you know, years later I got to be friends and know all these guys, but at the point, Seattle was pretty clicky, um, especially there's so many bands, but I, I was still just hooked. Like we were playing, we could pay our rents, we could do all the stuff. And, um, and maybe it was because so many people were, like I said, were coming to town. So you'd play, you'd play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe a Wednesday someplace. And God, some of those nights on the weekends, you know, a local band you're making, and this, mind you, is the early nineties. And, you know, maybe we'd make, four or five grand a month as a band, you know, playing and selling merch and doing all this stuff. And that's a lot of money. Um, I mean, we weren't living high on the hog, but we could do all the stuff that we wanted to do and not work. And, you know, I wasn't, I couldn't afford to buy a new guitar. I could barely afford to buy strings, but we could do all the cool stuff and get fucked up and be retarded and do all the stuff that you do when you're a musician. Most people do when you're a musician that age, but I was really blessed. I guess uh, wrapping this around, I was really blessed to, to grow up in this city and to see that. And, um, you know, that was, that was my stomping ground. It's where I learned everything, what to do and definitely not what to do. You know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I want to talk about that. Cause that's, that scene, it was, um, a dangerous scene and we, we lost a lot of, of, you know, really special people then. And, mm-hmm. and, and now, you know, I, I say now, you know, referring to like Chris Cornell and, uh, we we do want to talk about Mother Love Bone because you're going to be doing um, a benefit concert for that coming up, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. The way that just came up, that's a really interesting thing that came about, which is things keep coming full circle in my life, and, and I'm not exactly sure how that happens. I'm, I'm just holding on for the ride. But, uh, yeah, so I'm doing that. And, um, you know, you know, for all the you know people know about you know, so many of these guys, you know, Lane and Chris now, and, and you know, Andrew was and the it, first. And, well, not the first. Um, but you know, for all of those guys, there was, you know, so many other people that, you know, most people out there have never heard of. It was just a toxic thing. And there was, you know, um, it's well known Seattle's a dark winter place and, and, uh, um, there's not a lot to do, you know, um, maybe more, the city's changed a lot now, but especially then it made sense that, you know, the disaffected youth like myself and everything, uh, would join bands and do this thing you'd rehearse inside and you got these, you know you have your own house parties and you do all the stuff and uh, there was a lot of heroin and there was a lot of speed and a lot of 
you know, weed, which is no, not a big deal then. But back then, you know, there was a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of crystal meth and all of that stuff around town. Not, you know, um, and, you know, it's and a lot of drinking and just all of that stuff. And you don't really think what it's doing with you when you're a kid and you're doing that stuff. You're just doing what you do and it feels good. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of go down that wrong path. It takes a hold of you. It's fucking iron talent, you know? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, we've lost a lot of people mm-hmm. and, you know, there's probably many times in my life. Well, I'll be honest. There's many times. I mean, that could have happened to me many, many times over the years. And I would like to say I learned my lesson back then and got clean and all that stuff, but it, no, it, you know, uh, no, I, I wanted to ask that if you were comfortable, and I appreciate you uh, you sharing that because I can't imagine how hard it is to stay away from that when you're in it and you know you're in the scene. I, I mean, I've talked about on the show with my uh, addiction issues. I haven't mm-hmm. drank in two and a half years, uh, I think. And Congratulations! Thanks. Uh, I mean, and I'm glad that I always say, you know, with with weed, I'm glad that I don't have like a hard drug addiction because I've treated weed in the past like it's a hard drug you know and people just laugh at that that clip from um from half baked you know you know uh, weed is not a drug here for suck dick for some you know some weed the Bob Saga thing um but if you have an addiction you have an addiction and I, I my, my friends I've been around were never in that and I always think to myself if I was I have that personality that I may have done that and may have been yeah. So you know, I have I have that personality too, and I think I don't know if that and it, it's we could talk about it as musicians or, or fans or whatever you're saying about how you maybe you are, are how, how do I want to say this? We both know addicts are in every frame of life, yes. you know. Um, but maybe as musicians and stuff, we're around a little bit more because maybe it comes free or it's easier to kind of access. I'm not exactly and it's sure. glamorized a little bit. It's kind of cool to do it. You you sing songs about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's that's what makes it difficult, I think. Where especially in rock and roll, you know, you, of course you can. You know, Ray Charles had a heroin addiction. You can be in sure. in any genre of music, but for whatever reason, rock seems to be associated with doing drugs. Uh, I mean, well, as, as we're painters and poets, and um, and and I think where it comes from is I think a lot of artists, we can include all of this in there, are searching for something, um, and maybe that's a psychological thing that comes. It's not brought on by the music. Like I was, I'm not an addict and was an addict, or any of my friends because we were musicians. It just comes from a, a place deeper than that. And, and an artist, you know, because they work, you're working with your left brain. I, there's so many other facts about this stuff. But we're searching for whatever it is, for a different truth, for an inner understanding of yourself. Well, there's so many factors. And when you start to uh, use substances, wherever that may be, whether you're numbing or accelerating or doing whatever, it makes you feel okay. And I yeah. think a lot of artists don't feel okay. Um, so you search for that thing to help with that, um, whether it's people use sex. It, I mean, there's, there's everything. Um, so, you know, to hear, when I hear people say it's about band, and I, and I get that, and it's, uh, it's around, and you're on tour, or you're in whatever it is, um, I get that. But it, it's a lot deeper to me than that. Oh, absolutely. That's why, you know, as we said, you know, addiction could be in any form of life. It's just, especially from the... 
it's just now with the Seattle scene, you know, Kurt Cobain and, you know, Chris Cornell and Andrew Wood. I mean, there's just a lot of names. And, of course, as you mentioned, names that we don't even know. Uh, and, and their lives are just as valuable um, yeah. that some, unfortunately, have become associated uh, with that scene. So uh, do you, because I, well, I guess we could talk about the benefit, like the details later, but do you huh? recall meeting uh, Andrew Wood, what kind of person uh, he was? I, did, I, didn't, I didn't meet him. Okay, um, okay so you just saw I, the band. I, I saw the band because, oh, God, well, oh, what year did he pass away? Now, was, was it 91? Uh, March 19th, 1990. Nine, yeah. So yeah. See, I, I'm looking at Wikipedia. I don't know that off the top of my head. No, that's, no, that's, um, uh, so that makes sense to me. No, no, I didn't know those guys, you know, um, um, I started going to, there was just, uh, no, I did not know Andrew nor any of those guys. We was the band I was in got asked to play. They had a record release show that they, uh, at this place in Seattle, and we got booked to play. They weren't going to play, but they were going to play the record, and they were all going to be there, and a bunch of other cool bands were playing. And he passed away a few months before that. And okay. um, it was really – they still had the record we showed. It was really sad. Um, but, you know, that was kind of the first person – I thought Andrew Wood was the coolest singer I'd ever seen in my life. Him and Lane, both of them, they were, they were different in their delivery and their approach, but both struck me – so quickly as just the coolest motherfuckers I'd ever seen. Um, did you meet Lane and, or and, you just saw uh, Alice? No, I, I knew I met Lane and got to know him a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, uh, through, through years uh, later, but um, when Andrew, that was the first person like that, that I was like, and I remember hearing, and this is, you have to understand out there too, this is pre-internet and pre-cell phone and pre all this stuff. Word spread pretty quickly that it happened. And, um, Everybody was like, oh, my God, like, like, it was pretty shocking. Um, it was pretty shocking. Um, and it was really sad. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, unfortunately, things like that don't stop people from keep doing stupid things. But that, you know, who knows what that man could have done in his life? Um, you know, um, he was one of a kind for sure. And if, and, you know, and to have been able to see him do that, you know, uh, a bunch of times is, is something I'll never forget. I was really, really lucky to have seen that, you know? Cool. Uh, actually, so we don't forget, cause I, I don't want to, um, you know, forget about the, the benefit thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, you have the benefit. Yeah. So let's, I can, we can mention that now since we're talking about it. So that's happening on May 5th at uh, the tractor tavern. Yep. Yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, tell me yeah. about it. What's, yeah. what's going on there? Well, a guy, a friend of mine, Ben London, um, he's a great advocate for so many things, uh, musicians and, and other things in Seattle. He's kind of starting, uh, Music Cares is a big program around the country, around the world that helps uh, uh, worldwide musicians. Because, you know, as most people know, musicians, most of us don't have health insurance. I mean, I do have health insurance now, but that's a whole other story. But um, whether that be, uh, you know, anything from getting your teeth fixed to, you know, if you, whatever, there's any kind of thing, musicians are kind of fucked. Um, and um, Music Cares is a program that's helped a lot of people, and I love them, and, I, and uh, I'm a big part of that program. But also my friend, uh, going back to the benefit, my friend Ben, is, um, st- uh, they're working on a thing here in the local Seattle area to help um, local musicians and stuff. And so he approached me about asking me if I'd do this thing, and I, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I'll do, uh, if I'm close to, if something strikes me as a benefit I want to do, I'll do it. I'm not a huge fan of all these things of doing covers and doing all these things. Like it, it makes me a little nutty. Um, uh, but I knew this thing was something I wanted to do. And the other musicians being involved 
And um, so, yeah, I'm going to be playing like full circle, playing, you know, being the bass player for a lot of most of these songs that night. And it sold out like I think tickets went on sale at 10 and they sold it by noon. And people are really crazy, uh, went crazy for it. And it's going to be really a really cool night. And there hasn't been something like that uh, with Mother Love Bone. Like this whole thing has never really kind of been done here. I know there's, you know, there's tribute bands and cover bands and stuff, but when the Seattle, when the Seattle community kind of comes together to do stuff like this, it has to really mean something. There's a lot of uh, things that feel sacred here in, in any kind of town and any kind of city that feels like that. And, um, this is kind of, it's going to be a pretty special thing. And I'm really honored that they asked me to do it. And uh, I got to get to work. And it's funny because I, uh, was hanging out with Jeff. I met yesterday morning. Uh, yeah, I saw you post a picture. With yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to name Jim. Dolo, whatever, but uh, no, please. Um, so it was really great because I, I just got like, because they just got back from South America, Pearl Jam, and uh, uh, it's like, well, I don't know if you heard. There's this thing you heard about it. I'm like, well, I'm gonna, you know. So we got to talk uh, about kind of. We just got to kind of delve into it. And I've never, I've known Jeff. I've known those guys, and but I've never really kind of. Yeah, it's not something that really just comes up in conversation a lot for some reason, you know. But it's really fun to talk to him about that. And uh, it's like, yeah, do you want to? Like, I still have all those bases that I played back then. You can borrow all of them, you know. So I'm going to borrow all the like. Cause he, Jeff Mint played twelve string bases and fretless bases and all these things. He's an amazing bass player. So it'll be really cool to, like, I'm going to get those bases and kind of. Uh, it, it just feels like the right thing to do, and it'll be really cool to uh, kind of bring that energy through the music and. Um, Seattle's such a great place. People do that, you know, um, and most music communities, I'm sure, are like that. But it's, it's a real special thing. And I, I was so, super stoked that he offered that. I was like, dude, that's really cool. But, um, he's a really great guy. That is awesome. And all these years later, you know, as we just mentioned, uh, you know, Andrew died in 1990. And it's not like these benefit concerts happen a lot. That happened in 2018. The, the love for Mother Love Bone is still there. And the music, it's, yeah. just, it's just, uh, it is overwhelming. And that's why I wanted to get a sense of community, what it is like in Seattle. Because, you know, growing up in New York, I mean, all we just know what we saw on MTV or what Kurt Loder told us about it. We don't really know anything else, you know, unless you've, I'm not even saying like if I visited now, I would never experience it. Same thing with the Sunset Strip. I, I know about it from walking, watching documentaries. Like I can never yeah. actually experience it. So it's just awesome to hear that the sense of community is still there all these years later. Uh, it is. It's you know it's different. Seattle's a different place, but it is. You know the other people that have kind of made it through and up and coming bands. It's, it's a different scene, but there's just a lot of us that are still around. And, and you know, not everyone's been able to move on and do these huge great things. And that's not why we do music is to become huge, famous, and rich, and all that stuff. And there's so many talented people in the city that no one's ever heard of that are just as amazing and influential to everything as, you know, these other people that we talk about. And, uh, oh, uh, sure. There are a lot of people who get offended by, you know, Nirvana wasn't the first, Nirvana wasn't the best, you know, they bring up all these other bands, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. or Mudhoney and sure. a lot of other great, uh, the great bands. So I, I hope, right. you know, yeah, you know, uh, I loved Queensryche. That was a big band for me when I was a kid. Um, like in my junior high, uh, when that first EP, I bought their vinyl, that first EP with Queen of the Reich and all that stuff. And, I mean, hard. I mean, for crying out loud, there's so much great stuff. Oh, sure. Oh, and uh, Squires had a funny story about, um, as you you listened to it, about uh, when Jeff Tate uh, played with Loaded. And he's like, I don't think he's ever heard Guns N' Roses music before. 
And I, I, I watched the uh, the video on YouTube after, and yeah, he was reading Night Train off, I guess, lyrics that were on the ground. Uh, I know. I mean, he sounded, you know, Jeff is great, but it's, you know, come on, it's Night Train. It's not like he was asked to sing, know. you know, Chinese Democracy or anything like, you know. Uh, that was such a bummer. It was such a great night. I mean, it was, a, it was an awful night. It was another benefit that we had done for some slain, uh, some officers that got uh, shamelessly just mob killed here. And that's another whole story. But uh, so we did this benefit to benefit their, for their families. And, uh, and you know, when we're in Loaded and stuff, we just always are throwing out different ideas. And Jeff's like, hey, we should do a couple of, you know, something. And who could we do? We were like, oh, Jeff's kind of been around. And he, yeah, he's a nice guy. I like him a lot. And it's like, well, there's not a lot of guys that could do the high singing. You know, that's the whole high singing thing. I'm sure Squire went through this whole thing, but man, we worked our asses off to do Paradise City and Night Train, and and uh, really the band was smoking hot, and that and just to have that, like it was fine. People loved it. You know, it was you can't. It's one of those kind of things where you can't really do wrong. The crowd's going to be great, and it's going to be fine. But oh, what a bummer! <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know if uh, Jeff Tate's uh, op- is it Operation Mindcrime now? Because obviously Queensrÿche is uh, has another singer now, so. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Uh, do you th- is it the, the benefit? Uh, and we'll move on from uh, from this because we got to talk more, of course, about Loaded and uh, Jericho. Is just wants me to move on. Uh, do you know if it's going to be taped or we'll be able to watch any of the performances? Uh, after? I don't know. I don't. You know, you can watch anything. Just go to Periscope or YouTube true, or Facebook, face, Facebook Live or. I don't, you know. Well, yeah, I guess there'll be some people, you know, taking live yeah, videos. Yeah, it's not going to be, I don't think, I don't think there's any, uh, there was professional. no uh, plans. No, it was, you know, it, it started out, I think it's just a thing like, hey, let's do this thing and raise some money. Like not knowing it was going to go crazy. And now people are just going bonkers and being really offended that, you know, like, why didn't you do it at a bigger place? Why don't you have four or five shows to do all this stuff? It's not, wasn't the point. It, it is going to be what it is. And uh, it's for a great cause. And, um. You know, I'm sure if you tune into any of the social media platforms, you'll be able to find stuff, you know. Right on, right on. And, and who, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Who knows if, uh, you know, if the demand is there and, and, and uh, you know, if it, there's more people it could benefit after, if there are future shows. I have no idea. But I guess oh, you have I to get the first one under, under your belt first, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be a thing like that. I, no? you know, okay. um, I don't I, I, I guess I, you know, I don't, I don't know. But, um yeah, like that's said, a that's fine thing. It's, it's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun night. Um, I don't know if there's any of that kind of, you know, it's a bunch of people that are touring and playing bands and stuff. And it, it, you know, who knows what will happen. Right on, right on. All right, so uh, we're we're moving on to, I guess, you know, your your first band and, and you're, you're experiencing the Seattle scene and, and mm-hmm. like-minded individuals. So who would you kind of, like, say, like, what was your first break when you started, when you quit, you know, your UPS uh, your job, you're no longer um, Doug Heffernan, the King of Queens, or King of Seattle, whatever. Uh, so, what was what would you say like your first break is when you were started? Like, this is my living now. I can do this full time. Well, um, you know, I think probably I was always realistic with all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I'm about to sneeze here. Hold on. Never mind. Um, Bless you. You know, as a young musician, your first goal is like, God, if I could only just be in a band. And then you're like, oh, there we go. Excuse me. <laughs> um, if I could just be in a band. And then it's like, wow, if I could just play a show. And then like, man, if I could just make a cassette. And if, you know, whatever. It goes up that whole line. My kind of the first real break. So I'm starting to play. I think I'd quit uh, that Rhino Humpers now and I'm playing some other bands and, I had uh, 
band came through town called the uh, the Mises. Joe Reineke. The Mises? And he, the Mises, yeah, they were called the Mises. I like that. Um, and um, uh, a guy, this guy, Don Robinson, had been my friend. He's manager. He books shows. I got this call like, hey, Joe quit the Mises, and he got a record deal with this little five-song cassette demo he did. And he really liked you. Um, you wouldn't want to talk to him? I'm like, sure. And so I talked to Joe. And he said, dude, I was in another band. He's like, quit your band. If you, if you want to quit your band and move to L.A. tomorrow, um, I'll pay you 1200 bucks a month. There'll be a brand-new SVT bass rig, and you can get a bass. And we're going to make a record with Gil Norton, who just did – what year is this? I'm sorry. Let me – what year is this now? This is 96, 97. Okay. Yeah, right around then. Gil just had just finished doing the, the Foo Fighters Color and the Shape record. He had done all the Pixies records, Catherine Will, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. He's a huge producer. And I called my mom. I said, Mom, I got this offer. What do you think? She's like, you should go. So I quit that band, and I loaded my Volkswagen Rabbit with what I had, and I drove to L.A. the next morning. And um, and that was my first taste of – I've been playing in Seattle. My big breaks didn't come from me. I, whatever big breaks you want to call them. I had many big breaks. Yeah, like your version, yeah I guess because it's um, you know, it's it's not like a, a set term, like what you would consider yeah. like yeah. where it clicked it for you, you know? Yeah, it was my first record deal. It was the first band I was going to be in with a record deal. Sure. Okay. I was getting paid, and uh, I moved to L.A., and we did a big record, and then we, you know, went to the old, old thing, and the day we got done mixing the record, the person that um, signed the band got fired, and all the bands got dropped. Hmm. So now um, we're living in LA, but still I got to make this record. But it's not going to come out. It's a, it's a, it's a tried and true. It's a story that happens to so many musicians. I've lived it all. I mean, sure. all that stuff. I went through every single part. But now I'm in LA, and and um, and so we kind of we had made this record and done all the stuff and never played a show. We were we um and um, it's a really great record, but we decided we didn't want to um become one of those bands that's struggling in LA and trying to build a fan base and do all that stuff. It's not the right place to do that. So we had a conversation and we moved back to uh, those guys. Joe was from San Francisco. The drummer was originally from Seattle, but lived in San Diego. We decided to move the band back to Seattle. So we did the U-Hauls. Here we go. And bailed back to Seattle. And that was Aaron crime syndicate. Um, okay. And, and that's kind of through that band, where a lot, I mean, I've been touring and doing some West Coast stuff, but that's, um, that, all of that stuff is where record deals started happening and getting dropped and touring in vans and playing with big bands and doing all this stuff really started for me. And, and because of that band is how I met Duff and all of this stuff. And it's just been like kind of a snowball and just one thing after another. And for some reason, I just don't give up and it snowballed and kept on pushing into these other things through, you know, the last, you know, however many years from the 20, 25, 30 years, you know? Right on. So, yeah. So with uh, Alien Crime Syndicate that you were in with uh, with Squires, what was your uh -huh. first, uh, now that he's, you know, he's been on the show and people, you know, know his personality a little bit more, what was it like meeting him for the first time? Hilarious. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, what I remember is probably, I think the first day, we had tried out some other guitar players and Mike came in. To try to get to the, even playing the first song took a long time because Mike likes to talk um, <laughs> and tell stories. And it's funny, and you want to be a part of this because it's fucking hilarious. And, um, Joe, our singer, was the same way. So 
I just remember it's like, oh my god! But as soon as Mike actually played the guitar, like we knew within the first song, we're like, well, this guy's in the band. For one, he's going to be super fun to hang out with. Um, it's never going to be boring, and he's a rad guitar player, you know. So, um, you know, and and when you start to tour, and we're at this point van touring, you know, like uh, a lot, you know, uh, nine months. I mean, we're traipsing across the country back and forth, and you find out pretty quick who you're who is, you know, pretty quickly me and I knew Mike was going to be probably my friend forever. Aww. Uh, Aww. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and Mike, you know, to, it wasn't easy. Mike wasn't all that stuff. Is in, wasn't easy for Mike. wasn't easy for, I mean, and but for some reason me and Mike never really have ever butted heads. Um, we're pretty cool. similar. We're, we're, we're different people for sure. But, uh, we, you know, we came, we grew up differently. We came from different places. But for some reason, I just knew he was my brother. You, you know? have both have beautiful heads of hair. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, uh, that's funny. So with that band, uh, how long did they last? Did you guys last, Alien and Crime? That was a good... Uh, Alien Crime Syndicate. I knew I was, in a, I was telling... Uh, I'll read that before. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to slip up and say, like, Alien Ant Farm by accident. No, it's okay. Hey, Ray, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, sorry. I've been quiet. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, we're going to get you involved in this in a few minutes. I'll get through this boring, long story of my <laughs> yeah, sorted like, career. Honestly, I'm, I'm enjoying the story. And, Ray, and Ray's going to ask uh, the questions. And also, um, you know, Ray, I guess since he's coming in from overseas, I guess he's taking all the, the room noise with him over yeah, Skype, yeah. so I'm just <laughs> yeah, No, he's still, you can chime in whatever you want, Ray, so I'm just keeping your yeah, yeah. levels a little yeah. down so we can uh, we can hear Mr. Uh, Rouse. Yeah, um, no, no, no. So anyway, Alien Crime Syndicate, we, uh, that, that was probably a good seven, eight year, six, seven, eight year run, I can't really quite remember, because it kind of overlapped into Loaded also, and uh, there's so much stuff kind of happening through that, but yeah, that was, uh, we put three, three records, so that's a good, you know, a lot of touring, yeah, so six, seven years, that band? That's a that's a long time. So then, how did that overlap? Because obviously, you and Squires are a part of Loaded, or I, I, how do you right. phrase it? We're a part of Loaded. Are part of Loaded? Uh, uh, no, we'll always we're Loaded. Yeah, that's the it's. Uh, we can get to that. Loaded will always be. Well, uh, well, we'll get to that. Um, sure. So, in okay, so now we're into the uh, late '90s era of Seattle. Still great music scene playing shows and at by that point Duff had moved uh quit doing Guns N' Roses and he moved you know got sober moved back to Seattle started going to college but he was still part of the music scene so you know we'd, we'd play shows and Duff not only would Duff go to shows but he'd be standing right up front watching shows like it's not you know it's a big deal maybe the allure maybe you know I don't know maybe it was the era nobody it wasn't a big deal that he was there he's just like this Duff okay cool you know he's hmm. super friendly and all that stuff and uh so I, I'd seen him at shows, and so I kind of met him. And, and, and I had met Duff in 90. I have a, a, a way early story about Duff. Uh, when I was in the Rhino Humpers, we played in L.A., and I met Duff at the height of the Use Your Illusion stuff at a club one night, and he wanted to kill me. But that's a different story. Okay. But, um, so, um, we'll get that later, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Um, uh, so at some point, I, you know, Duff decided, you know, he's a musician, so he just decided to start um, making some, recording some songs, because he, he wrote some songs, and he wanted to do some stuff. And um, Mike was in Alien Crime Scene. He said, oh, I'm going to go play some guitar solos and play some guitar. Well, some something Duff's doing. That's rad. Okay, cool. Awesome. And I don't know. Some time went by. Then all of a sudden, I, met, you know, I knew the drummer, Jeff Redding. And um, 
Um, at some point, those that what turned out to be the Dark Days record, uh, a Japanese label wanted to put it out, and Duff realized he had to put a band together. So I get this call, like, hey, this is the drummer of Jeff at first, like, hey, do you, you know, would it be interested? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm interested. And, and I hadn't even talked to Duff about it then, because um, I needed to kind of go audition. So I went, uh, the, the girl I was with at the time had a, her parents had a little place out on the Washington coast. I grabbed a bass and all these songs I was sent and went out there and I was super stressed out. Cause I'm like, Oh great. Now I got to play bass with Duff. I can't fuck this up. I got to learn every single little note, every new, I got to like, so for a week I held up in this cabin to learn all these songs to come back to, which was maybe an audit. I don't know. It was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't like technically labeled a, an audition. It was like, Hey, come jam with us kind of thing. Okay. And, um, so I show up and, and I asked Jeff, like, what's your set list? Tell me you guys play any covers. Okay. 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 Everyone shows up in this room and just like, okay, well, what do you know? I'm like, well, let's just play the set list. And he's like, Oh, okay. And, uh, we played the set list. He, like, I don't think uh, I've always kind of been like that guy that over prepares. Um, and from that moment, I don't just never, from that moment up until today has never said one word about one bass note that I ever have played on songs that we've written or written or recorded that rehearsal. He just looked at me like, well, that was fucking great. Let's go to Japan. So, um, <laughs> then, I, then we started to become friends and he called me. He's like, dude, have you ever, like, so cause you know, I played some shows, but I think the first show we played in Tokyo, I played with loaded maybe 25,000 people or something, you know, it was a big show. I played some big shows, but not that big. And, uh, I was, we were just thrown right in the fire and we kind of just all became thick as thieves real quick. Like this is, um, it was really fun. And like, and I think Duff having, um, some people around him that were from Seattle that were maybe, you know, um, experiencing things for a new uh, first time, but still professional. There was no drama. There was no, this, like, it, I think it reminded him of what, like, Oh, I remember this. This is like, this is rock and roll. This is punk rock. This is fun. There's no thing. And it's it just, you know, now almost 20 years later, I'm still with him doing that stuff, you know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, we kind of had to kind of go, me and Mike had to kind of bow. Uh, I guess I'm kind of, I'm steamrolling us through this conversation. I apologize. No, I, I understand like, you know, kind of doing this is your life, Jeff Rouse kind of thing. And, yeah. You know, I don't want to, you know, I, I appreciate obviously you coming on in general, but, we're, you know, and we're not going to keep you here forever. Yeah. I mean, uh, you guys probably want to spend some time with your family today. I'm just yeah. the, the evil Jew keeping you here. Yeah, no, so that's cool. So, yeah, I kind of Alien Crime Syndicate loaded, kind of uh, blended together. Alien Crime Syndicate got another, Alien Crime Syndicate got another record deal. So we had to make a choice, me and Mike, briefly, like either do this thing that we've been in a band with uh, for a while or we weren't sure what to do. So we took this record deal and loaded briefly got, that's when Dave Kushner popped into loaded for a minute. It was in Velvet revolver and another guy played bass. And that kind of lasted for a second. That was going to be my and then, question. And, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. go ahead. Yeah. So that was going to be my question. No, I didn't know how Dave Kushner fitted into the, the, the loaded situation, but that was, that's answered my question for later on. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Duff, he, when we went to Japan on that first tour, that I mentioned a few minutes ago, Dave Kushner was playing in a band that was in Japan. And um, okay. so that's kind of uh, called Zilch. And um, that's kind of how we uh, we all connected with him. And then Duff's back in L.A. And then me and Mike have to bail. Dave steps in. And then fast forward another few months, Randy Castillo passes away. 
Right. Another band that um, they get together with it. a couple guys from Buck Cherry, do this thing, Velvet Revolver kind of starts, and blah, blah, blah. Like, all these circles just kind of start to connect. Um, so, Alien, uh, so Alien Crime Syndicate's now signed and touring. Velvet Revolver's starting. The, that gets us into the next phase, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. So when, when Duff was uh, went on to do Velvet Revolver, what was mm-hmm. your view of it? Um, loved it. I was so stoked for him. And, you know, at this point now, Duff has become a close friend. And um, I was so proud of him. Like, this is something... They worked fucking hard. And I remember the day... It took a long time until they found Scott. And everyone knows the whole story with that. But I remember the morning that they recorded a demo of Fall to Pieces and Duff called me on the phone and played me the demo of Scott singing that song over the phone in his car on his car radio. And, um, and he was so stoked. He was nervous and he was super stoked. And I heard that song, the demo over my phone. I was like, Oh my God, you're going to do it. Like that's just like, uh, hold on, you know, like you're, and then it just went crazy. And, um, and, uh, I was really proud of him, you know, like, I mean, these are my brothers and I, like, well, that's I, why I you and Suarez it. get along, because I, you know, and it would be a human reaction to be any sort of like, hey, I wish I was a part of this kind of thing. But you and oh. seem to be so proud of, of him because he's your friend first. That's what it sounds like more than. Oh, know, yeah, 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 dude. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a, um, I think with a lot of people and a lot of these bands and with guys, people get together with certain kinds of people. They get this false illusion that it's going to be their money ticket or it's going to be their ticket to whatever it's going to be. Um, and I just never bought into that because I, it was just always realistic. And I knew I mean, you get to, uh, guys like Duff and, and yeah, they're afforded different opportunities and different realities than we're ever going to understand. And for good reason, um, they're normal fellas, but I think I was, I've always just been realistic. Even jumping back to the first thing you asked me about, like I knew right away when I was, I, put a guitar on and grew my hair out that girls like me for a particular reason. Like I've always been pretty realistic of what the bullshit is. Um, kind of not the, the duff things bullshit, but I always understood that I've gained so much opportunity and had so much fun, but there's a lot of people that he, there's a lot of things that he can do. And, um, and, and you're not selfish about I, it. No, 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 no. I never would be. No, that's that's what I, I get the sense in more than just your luxurious hair, what you have in common with the Squires. <laughs> you know, right. uh, that's, it was just like an organic, you can hear it in your voice, you know, like this oh, is cool and, yeah. you know, you know what Duff is and you, you seem to be just uh, happy to be part of something else that he did. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it just never stops. Like, the, Yeah, it's, it's being kind of six degrees of separation from him has been a, a, a crazy whirlwind for sure. Right on. So, uh, you know what, uh, Ray, let's get to some, uh, some question, fan questions. And I have a little, uh, sound, sound clip, uh, for this. All right. So I'm going to set you up and you're going to read some, uh, qu- questions that we, uh, got submitted to, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, some inbox, none of them were from, uh, Squires. It wasn't like I didn't recognize Squires asking a question to you. Like, <laughs> so, uh, all right. So. Fan. I'm an idiot. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so Ray, uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, right. Okay, the first one comes from Troy Candy uh, in the UK. Uh, uh, the main question comes to mind right now is the same question I think I always think uh, when I think of Loaded. 
when the hell are we going to uh, get a follow-up to The Taking? That album was such a great album. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you do next. Great question, Troy. Um, you know, uh, Love is always going to be a band. Um, you know, and we... I just I don't know what the answer to that is. We talk about it all the time. Um, it's stuff we've been talking about recently. Um, uh, there's you know we've thrown some songs back and forth a little bit, but it's just it's going to happen. Whether it's just all of a sudden things like this that happen really quick with Loaded Two. All of a sudden it could be kind of quiet, and then all of a sudden we're going to play a show. We're going to go to South America. We're going to do this. We're you know who knows what how quick it's going to happen. But it's going to happen, you know, but then I, I, I don't know. It could happen next week. It could happen next year. Hmm. Duff's got some stuff he needs to do. Um, obviously, he's out there doing his thing. And um, but we're, we're, we're always we're always talking about it because loaded something between, you know, us and the band is something that's pretty, uh, pretty important and awesome, just not only musically, but friendship wise. And it's something that we really like to do so it'll happen at some point i just don't know when that is going to be awesome uh ray before the next question um i i want to follow up uh with that we talked about it uh, Ray and i talked about it in a little news segment before Mm -hmm. uh i didn't hear it on um shooter jennings sirius xm show because i don't i don't have sirius but it was brought Mm -hmm. to my attention that he is doing something with duff is that involving you guys or is that something else don't um don't know Okay. I, um, I, I, uh, I mean, I know, uh, I, I know what it's, I know what, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, but it's not like I'm in the dark um, about that. But I don't know. That's, I, I don't know what all that's gonna be yet. Okay, that, that's a fair answer. I mean, I know sometimes you have to keep, you know, you can only say what you can say. But uh, at least yeah. we, we, I guess that's confirmation something is happening. That's well, it's two confirmations: well, something with that, and then something with loaded. So that's pretty. Uh, well, that's you pretty know, rad. the thing is, is we're all musicians. We all uh, write music, and we love to, and and we, uh, you know, we all do it in our own particular ways. And Duff writes and plays with a lot of different people, and sometimes that bleeds into one thing or the next thing, or who knows what it is going to be, you know. So, so you know, Duff writes music. That's what he does. Okay. So we'll we'll see what happens with all that. Right on. All right, Ray. Well, what's next up? It's up next, yeah, I should uh, say. Okay, question number two. I don't want to butcher this name, but it's Remco Ver from the Netherlands. Okay. Uh, how did you end up uh, in Alien Crime Syndicate, and how did the writing process go as a band or different members ha- uh, handing in songs? In Alien Crime Syndicate? Yeah. Um, well, I ended up, I think I spoke uh, I spoke a little bit about that. I got right. a call from Joe that needed a band. I moved to L.A., and... Um, so that first record was completely written by Joe. Um, uh, he had already written all the songs. I came in as a bass player to play bass and do, be the bass player on the record. And then within the next two records is when we started to write as a band. Cool. All right. Uh, question number three comes from Johan Pedersen in Sweden. Uh, what What do you think is the most underrated Loaded songs? Oh, Johan, that's a great question. Oh, gosh. Underrated. Well, see, I don't know where they're rated in general. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, now what are some uh, like? God, what are some of my favorite? Because we always like we hear like flatline, flatline. Like that's such a great song, but like yeah, yeah, no, it's a super great song. I like, but, but that's rated. That's you know, we on find yeah. Oh uh, that's a great question. Like uh, Mother's Day is one of my favorite loaded uh, I love, songs. I love your baseline in that song. Yeah, that was that. Was re- how that happened in the studio was really fun. It's not only because it just it, it just happened so spontaneously and awesome. Um, yeah. I love Lords of Abaddon. Off the taking, it was one of my favorite songs to play live. It's so aggressive and Executioner's song, 
my all-time favorite loaded song to play live. My absolute favorite song to play. Yeah, I've always liked uh, Sleaze Factory. That's always been my favorite one of your guys. I just think that's yeah. such a great song. It's the first one that stuck with me. The first one I saw you live, the song just stuck with me. Yeah, that was a I just like, love that one. Yeah, me and Duff really kind of that, that opened that opened uh, that particular song opened up a big door between me and Duff in the way that kind of I would write songs with him. Um, mm-hmm. Just the way we used our voices together, the high, the low thing with, you know, the, the kind of the juxtaposition of those offsetting guitar riffs and a, a really weird distorted bass line. Like, I mean, that's kind of, you know, that sick record really, we developed a thing right there. And that turned into like, oh, well, this is loaded. This is, this is the band. This is who we are. Uh, you know, and then and, and, and kind of uh, uh, Sleaze Factory is kind of one of the songs that led into that for sure. All right. And I think we have one more fan submitted question. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Macmar 30 more. I think he's from Ireland. Sure? Yeah. I think, he's, oh, right. I think he's a countryman. Uh, how cool was it when Loaded played between Gilby Clark and Slash in Argentina in 2015? It was so fun. That was such a, it happened so fast. I was on tour with Fozzie. I was on break, I guess, with Fozzie. And that came up that we got offered to do this thing. Um, we did a we did a show, a warm-up show here in Seattle that was just crazy. And it was filled together. I mean, like, the thing about Loaded is we can kind of, on a snap of a finger, get a little bit of rehearsals in, and it's like, okay, we got this. And we went to South America, and that show was bonkers. It was so fun. I know it was great for the fans, but it was great for all of us and all three of the bands. Like, I mean, just even the bre- at the hotel, the breakfast in the morning and stuff for all the band. Like, it was so fun. It was so fun. And I love South America so much. And um, it was so hot. It was so many people. Um, yeah, really, really. It was, uh, one of those things I'll, I'll remember the rest of my life, for sure. That's cool. That's cool. Now, let's go back into our question, because we're here, Ray and I. Okay. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a good uh, segue, actually, because you just mentioned uh, Fozzie. You just made the list! How did that happen? How did you come about and join uh, Chris Jericho's band? Okay, well, we loaded. Go, we play, we're going to go do the Soundwave Festival in Australia with Metallica and a bunch of other bands. So we're going there, and we're also going to Japan when we did met up with Adler. But before that, um, Fozzie was on the tour. And on those tours, you all stay in the same hotels and... A lot of guys go to the gym. So I would run into to, to Ritz Ward and, and, and Jericho in the gym every morning. Like me and Duff would, Squires would be down. Like whatever. We're in the morning, you're going to the gym, kind of brushing off the cobwebs, getting everything together. And I just really liked those guys. They were super nice. And I got to be you know, friends with them. And um, and through my life, I'd never really, I'd gotten offers to, to be a guy, he called, you know, but I just, I was in a band and always doing these things. So I just never did it. Um, Fozzie put out the lights. What is that record? The lights go out record. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, and their bass player couldn't do it. Um, they, he did the record, but he couldn't do it. He was not going to be in the band. And I got a call. I didn't. What's going on during this point? I don't really quite remember why, but uh, Loda wasn't doing much. And I just got the call, like, "Hey, do you? Would you be interested in doing a, a a tour?" I'm like, "Okay," but I only had three days' notice, so I had to make up my mind, and I flew to. North Carolina, the first show I played, the Carolina Rebellion Fest with them, I think 20, 25,000 people, never rehearsed with them. Um, and uh, and um, I had fun. It was, it was they're really great guys, uh, uh, really great band. It was different from other, other kinds of music I'd played before. Um, I mean, it's all in the rock thing, but um, 
And so that sort of led into a couple of things. I played with them for a year and a half or two years or so, maybe a year and a half, something like that, you know? Okay. Um, super great. Super fun. And I had never been part of this. I was never a wrestling guy. No? So, no, I just never Stupid was. Idiot. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, that was well-timed. <laughs> so, uh, so just seeing what that whole world mixed with the rock world happened, it was, I was just blown away. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Who else? <laughs> like, what? Y2J, all these chants and all this stuff. I had no idea wow, what they talked okay. about. Um, and staying up on the bus with Chris Jericho in the middle of the night, listening to Van Halen and Kiss, and, and he's just such a like a, an, encyc- an encyclopedia of rock knowledge. Uh, it was super fun. And, and, um, but I did have to bow out of that's when, uh, kind of going straight back to that last question about the South America thing with Slash and Gilby, they were going to go do, go continue touring and go to England and do some other stuff. And when I found out about the loaded stuff, and so I had to let them know that I, you know, I had to go do this other stuff. And they found another bass player. Now Paulie, the original bass player, is back. And I just, I just saw them a couple weeks ago here in Seattle, and they're great. Their new record's awesome. Cool. Um, so you're still friendly with all of them? Oh yeah, fuck yeah, absolutely. Right on. Yeah, I, I mean Jericho text every couple weeks, and I've been on his podcast also, and you know all that stuff. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll I'll say this probably later. Uh, next time you're on, you can co-host with me, and hopefully we can get Jericho. We can interview Jericho. Oh uh, yeah, let's let's get Jericho and Duff both on at the same time. That would, we'll, we won't say a word. We'll just let them talk for. A couple I hours. will love you for the rest of your, my my <laughs> life if if any of that happens. You know, I will yeah, treat them with with care and respect, and I'll try to yeah. not press. You know. Uh, yeah, Jericho sound clips while he's talking. <laughs> that would be oh, I know, right? <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I don't want him putting the walls and Jericho on me. That would be, you know, you yeah. probably don't even know what that is because you're not a wrestling fan, so that's terrible. No, I don't. Stupid I don't. idiot. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and also before you know, because uh, I'm sure you got you got a run, and we've kept you here for a bit. Uh, I don't. I would be remiss because you you kind of glossed over it a little bit that you met Duff during the illusion. Uh, time and he was mad at you. Like what? Like... Oh, I just a uh, quick story. So we're we playing and uh, we're going through LA to play some shows and uh, bands driving around. I see it was Club Lingerie. I think was the name of the club. I can't remember. It's on Sunset and uh, I don't remember the corner. Um, but there were a bunch of people. So me and another guy jumped out of the van. Like you guys, I think the other guys were going to go to the cat house. And I'm like, no, I'm going here. So somehow. I was drunk and I ended up in the VIP line and I stood with some girls and they got me in and now I'm in this club and the VIP part and this whole thing. And, um, I was wasted. And, uh, all of a sudden the kind of, the sea's kind of part of people. And here comes Duff with two huge security guys and he's fucking hammered. Like this is the, the, the height of the load. Uh, I mean, of Duff being loaded. Uh, oh dude. Crazy. <laughs> and I'm a Seattle guy. And the guy I was with was kind of, checking for my band down there and this punk rock guy and he knew kind of knew some he knew Blaine knew some guys from the farts and uh, some other bands that Duff had been in and we're sitting there talking and I'm drunk and I'm kind of nervous and and Duff's kind of looking at me crazy anyway like this is punk and I, I don't really I said some really stupid shit and um, I just remember Duff kind of turning his head like I'm like oh he's gonna punch me <laughs> um, but his security guys grabbed him and took him away. So I'm like, oh, God, that was embarrassing. Fuck, that sucks. <laughs> so at the end of the night, I'm out for everyone. The club empties, show's over, party's over, whatever. Everyone's out on the front of the steps. Kind of, I remember the limo pulled up, and I see Duff kind of roll out. 
I'm sitting there just having a cigarette, kind of trying to just hold myself up. And he sees me, and I see him start coming towards me again. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh. And then I'm like, oh, man. And But then his security guys grab him again. They kind of throw him in the limo, and the limo speeds up. So, wow, he really wanted a piece of you. I don't know. He was drunk. The funny thing is that I it was a story I told for years because I thought it was great. Fast forward to now when I'm just joining and starting to meet Duff and I'm playing it loaded. One day we're talking on the phone for a long time in the morning, and I, I'm like, dude, I got a story for you. And I told him the story. So he obviously didn't remember. I was, I was going to ask No, okay. no, no, he didn't remember. He was fucking hammered out. Sure. I just remember because I wasn't as hammered. Um, so we kind of got the phone, and um, he laughed a little bit about it. He's like, I don't remember, dude. That was wasted all the time. <laughs> and then like about an hour later, my phone rings again. He's like, hey, hey Ralph. So I'm like, yeah, hey, Duff, what's going on? He's like, Man, I've been thinking about that thing, and I just wanted to apologize, man. Like, I was so – I'm like – like, he was really – he really felt bad about it. And I'm like, I just laugh. I'm like, dude, like, I, I didn't tell you I wanted you to feel – like, it, that, it's, a, it's a testament to his character, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he really wanted to make sure that I understood that he felt bad about that. I'm like, dude, it was the greatest story I told for 20 years, man. <laughs> you know? So anyway, yeah, that's, that's- the story. No, that, that's great. He could have been like, oh, you know what? I do remember you. You're out of the band. That would have sucked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been all. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you ever see, I mean, because the Illusion Tour, you know, before we let you go, did you ever see, uh, you know, GNR and whatever carnation? Um, yeah, I saw, him, I saw him opening for the cult on the beginning of the Appetite before uh, they had hit. They um, saw him open for the cult at the Paramount Theater, and that would have been 86. Seven, hmm. wow. So I'm open for Iron Maiden and the Key Arena, and I saw the Illusion with Skid Row at the Tacoma Dome. Wow! So I saw I saw them kind of from the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if from seeing like Alice in Chains, you know, with uh, Mohawk, Lane Staley to mm-hmm. you know uh, Maiden G and R tour, I mean, you really have witnessed a lot of history and been a part of a lot of history. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm just dumb, dumb enough to stick around that long, I guess, and put myself... Oh, yeah, I just, I'm a fan of rock, so I like to go see cool shit. I love the cult on the electric tour, so it was... I didn't go see... I didn't go to that. I didn't know who Guns N' Roses were. Hmm. I yeah. showed up to that show, walked in, and there's this band playing. I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? This is rad. <laughs> and um, and bought oh, the vinyl. the rad word again. Oh, that's pretty yeah. radical. radical. Sorry. Radical. That's like the peewee word. I mean, when... Uh, you know, Duff says radical, and I just totally cut you off with the soundbite of Duff saying it in Ninja Turtles. And then when we had Brain on, he uses the word rad all the time. It's rad. So you say rad, so <laughs> it continues. Like, I got to get Pee Wee Herman just to do a soundbite for me. The word of the day is oh, rad. All right, sorry. That's funny. I have Tourette's. So, oh, that's funny. So that is uh, awesome. So uh, what's up? we got to talk about what's going on with you. Unless I, I missed any awesome story, but of course you're always welcome on again. we got to talk about what oh, you have going you. on now. Okay, yeah. So um, you're gonna have a, a five-song EP, right? The the Gemini. Yeah, that's coming out May 11th. Um, I guess uh, you know, I'm always writing songs. I have a you know I've done other bands, and I guess at the end of this last year, I started. I always write. I kind of I try to write every day. Um, always writing, and I kind of started to come up with some some songs that felt different. Um, something that kind of really kind of brought me back to a lot of things that I kind of grew up on melodically and and and. Uh, Lyrically, and I kind of went through some stuff the last couple of years. And I needed, I had wanted to say something, and I found the right vehicle for it. So I started putting these songs together, um, and uh, I just followed through with it and uh, finished these five songs. I just wanted a, a small little snippet of of this time and place of my life, 
And um, I got some great people to play on it. Uh, Barrett Martin played some drums on it, who was, you know, the Screaming Trees and the Walking Papers with Duff. And uh, Rich Good, who's the guitar player in the Psychedelic Furs, playing on a track. Um, Ryan Waters, a buddy of mine who plays guitar, um, who played with Prince and Sade and Liv Warfield and, and a bunch of other stuff. And so I recorded this record, and it, I'm so proud of it. It's super great um, to me. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just really proud of it. So yeah, it's coming out. Uh, it'll come out digitally in all uh, all those formats on May 11th. Um, you know, um, and then physical. You'll get physical copies up pretty short af- short short time after that. Awesome. And uh, with your permission, I, I can play like 20 seconds of a clip because I know it's not mastered yet. But uh, listening to it's it, I'm not. Actually... Yeah, it gets mastered in uh, uh, 10 days. Okay. So, yeah. But I. All right. So let's let's all enjoy 20 seconds of fire uh, right now from uh, from Jeff Rouse. I'm digging it, man. And that's obviously the chorus, yeah. but just leading up to it, I mean, I felt the bass right away. So I'm definitely digging it and looking forward to uh, the mastered version and, and the rest of the tunes. I'm excited. Uh, that's the first time it's been, uh, it's the first snippet of any of that stuff that's been played for anybody. So I thank you for doing that. That's great. I, I'm really excited about it. Um, I hope people dig it, of course, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty interesting little EP. Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. That's, uh, that's so cool. So, uh, so Jeff, um, unless I should say, Ray, do you have any uh, more questions? Uh, are you going to get a tattoo of Jeff Rouse in your other arm? Like, what's? Ah, <laughs> uh, don't do that. The loaded tattoo's rad, though. I, I, I'm super stoked that you got that t- t- that tattoo. It's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got it done years years ago. I think it was just after the Sick record came out. I got it done. Uh, Very I just cool. loved that record so much, and uh, I was in Australia. And I went to a tattoo shop and just said, "What? I want this." <laughs> oh, dude, thank you so much. Yeah, we we decided to get we all got loaded. We all got different loaded tattoos on the same day in Florida. We had a day off, and on the sick tour, we had a day off. We all decided to go get loaded tattoos, and Duff got that. I got the uh, the image off the back uh, behind the CD cover. Squires got loaded star in his hand, I believe, and Jeff. Yeah, yeah, we all got tattoos that day. It was super fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, I, I, I actually wanted to ask, uh, uh, do you know of anywhere that we could get uh, loaded T-shirts? I have like four of them, but uh, since uh, since I bought them since you guys last toured, I've lost quite a lot of weight, so now they're like tense on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got you. Well, 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 good work on that. Hopefully you lost the weight on purpose um, yeah, through yeah, healthy, yeah. Healthy, <laughs> healthy ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, you know, what would those be? I actually asked Squires the same thing after the he was on the show. I asked him as well. <laughs> You know, next time, I, I don't know, you know, you, um, I'm pretty accessible through all the social media for everyone out there. I'm not one of those guys. If you, you know, I try to, sometimes you get lost in messages or stuff like that. But <clears throat> my point being is <clears throat> next time I'm with, uh, I know we have some stuff in storage, not, not at our rehearsal room, but somewhere else. Maybe I'll see if we have anything like that around. Uh, call, uh, message me and remind me. And if I, if I find anything, I'll, I'll send you one or send you whatever I got. I'm not sure if we do or not. I'll have to look. Oh, that'd be brilliant, man. Thank you very much. So accessible. Uh, you know, like yeah. that's why I always ask because it's, uh, you know, Jeff Rouse on, on Twitter, right? At, at Jeff Rouse? Yep. And, Jeffrey Rouse, I believe, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Rouse, right. So your, your, your mm-hmm. professional name. Uh, and then just like with Facebook, it was that's why I was so, 
you know, surprised or didn't, it didn't resonate. I'm like, this is Jeff Rouse inboxing me because it was just a regular Facebook. You know, it wasn't a fan page. It wasn't, you know, it's the same oh. thing with Squires. It's just a, a regular Facebook. It's just like how, you know, fans could be on there in addition to your family commenting on the same stuff. Yeah, yep, yep. That's the deal. That is there was one cool. other thing I wanted to mention as well. Yeah, um, go ahead, Ray. About your, when, you, when you were making the sick record, uh, you, you did all your webisodes and stuff from when you were making the record and then when you were in your tour of the UK. Uh, I just wanted to say, like, it was great to see that you don't see it very often where a band just seemed like they're just a, like four guys just hanging out and they're just like great friends and it just seems like it's so much fun all the time. Uh, <laughs> I love the webisodes. Thank you, Ray. That was um, those are really fun. We'll do more of them. We talk about doing webisodes that are going to come out of nowhere for no reason, like soon, yeah. like because <laughs> it's just fun for the, us to do them. Because when we and me and Squires and Death are together, it's like those webisodes are we're not acting up anything. That's just how it works, <laughs> and it, um, it's fun for us to carry around cameras and just do that stuff and uh, drink a bunch of coffee and walk into grocery stores or go do things and then put really bad music over the top. Like, it's just fun for us to do. And we also want fans and, and friends out there to kind of see what it is, how this works for us, you know? So, yeah, yeah. you know, um, someday you'll see more of those for sure. Awesome. Oh, can't wait. Oh, actually, so, before... No, so <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't wait. And like, all your personalities are just... It just seems like such a great fit, and that's why I'm glad that the band still exists and it's the same thing you know the comparison i guess you can use is the you know, miles kennedy and the conspirators uh you know speaking yeah. with, with todd kearns and it's just like it's just another family and you just don't see that too often when they're you know these other members are from this massive band <laughs> you know you just really yeah, yeah. you don't see that it might they might have like their own thing but it's like maybe a, a, um, a carousel of musicians in and out of the band and they're just it's just right. all about that one person but you guys both unloaded and the conspirators seem to be just like your own living, breathing creature that has its own fan base, in addition to who, who you know, who's a GNR fan who's just you know uh, craving music from their, you know, maybe their favorite member or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll, both the conspirators and, and you know, and Miles, and I've known Miles forever. He's a Northwest guy. These are all great people. And I think the, the main thing is that all these bands are a bunch of people that do a lot of different things and they found a friendship and a thing that works within that unit. And it still allows all these people to go do other things when they need to do it. So there's not the pressure of having to keep something together for some kind of financial or some kind of egotistical reason, if that makes sense. No, it does. It absolutely um, does. And, it, so, and that's you why you, you ask questions about Shooter and Duff or any of these other things, or, you know, Todd turns does all this stuff and Miles obviously put out solo record and Mike does things. And we all, I have my own band, my Gemini thing coming out. Like we all have this thing. It doesn't put any pressure on those that other thing. That other those other things will happen organically, you know. So which is the best way? And that only happens when you're friends and family. You know, that's just the way it works. Absolutely. Oh, and before I forget, just um, tell me what it's like uh, working with Tommy Stinson. I would be remiss if I didn't talk. Uh, you know, ask you about that. Oh, he's great, man. I love Tommy. I love the replacements. I met Tommy during the Alien Crime Syndicate. Um, before I met Duff, I had met Tommy. Um, and uh, then Alien Crime Syndicate was his. Uh, backup band on the Village Gorilla Head tour. Um, so I got to go out there and do that with him. And that's when he was in Guns N' Roses also. And um, and we've just always stayed friends. And um, I just, um, I love playing with Tommy. Um, he's, a, he's a legend. I mean, I, I just love him. He's such a great songwriter. He's the real deal. He's very much similar to Duff in so many kind of ways. Uh, their upbringing, the things that um, turned them into who they are. 
Um, they're very similar type people um, in, in a certain kind of way. Um, very dissimilar in, in, in other ways. But, uh, man, I love Tommy. Uh, he's like my brother, too. So, you know, uh, like 60s, this whole bass player, Guns N' Roses, bass player, all this stuff, it's, I, I get confused of where I'm at anymore in this whole world. But uh, I'm blessed to be able to do what I do. Yeah, I, I've often said it's the six uh, degrees of uh, Gene R. Bacon, Kevin Bacon, right? Yep, exactly. Oh, that's 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 too cool. And um, you know, I'll put it out there again uh, to you in addition to like you know whether it's stuff or whoever you know you every guest is always welcome. Just like how Ray is, you know, I like to be creative with these broadcasts to be a, a guest host. I mean, I did put out you know to, um, a request to Tommy Stinson. I saw he read it on Facebook. It tells you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I'm sure he's obviously super busy, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, so hopefully knows, I'll, I'll speak to Tommy sometime in, uh, in the future. I'm sure they're all wonderful people, and I guess take things too personally because I'm Jewish, and uh, that's how I was raised. <laughs> don't do it. Don't. <laughs> no, I don't. You're doing great. This, this is a great thing you're doing. I appreciate you having me on. I love it. No, I appreciate you you coming on. You were totally awesome from the get go. You know, you uh, that's why I'm like you could have been like you don't know who I am right away, <laughs> but none of that. You were totally accessible. I even know uh, when someone like I asked, you know, can you do this on Sunday? Like, oh, that's Easter. I'm like, wait a minute, that's when I'm interviewing Jeff. I'm like, I, should I ask him? Like, is that okay? And you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so just the fact that you know you came on during a holiday and, and uh, spent you know well over an hour with us, and uh, you know, of course. Uh, Ray uh, defiling his body with uh, your your band. Uh, what a good man! I know. I, I'm covered in tattoos. Also, just uh, the only yeah. band related. I have uh, part of User Illusion One on my on my back, but that's about it. No, uh, no loaded. Damn. Ta- yeah, that's about it. Damn, good for you. Yeah, I well, I uh, and I'm, I'm a super nerd. And I, I now we can talk about tattoos, but uh, my right arm is almost a, a three quarter sleeve of the Never Ending Story. Because I'm a nerd. Oh, that's a dude. I'm gonna have to check that out. That's a, that's amazing. All right, all right, yeah. So I, that's that's how I am. Like I just want to find out about the people within the six degrees of Kevin, uh, GNR Bacon, Kevin Bacon, whatever, about who mm-hmm. they are, and that's how I kind of want to come across as well. And then I'm just instead of just being like an interviewer, I'm like, yes, no questions. How did this feel? You know, kind of just have an organic conversation, and that's why I appreciate you know when you said. Uh, how loaded is just an organic band, and that's just the way it should be. Things shouldn't be forced, and I think because the mu- the music would suffer, and I think the fans yep. would suffer, especially the live performances. So uh, it's just it's so it's awesome. Just a, another positive, just another positive person in this GNR world that we're finding uh, more about, and uh, I'm, I'm glad yeah, that very you know, cool. Yeah, that, that Ray was a part of it. Uh, so thanks, Ray, for, for coming on as well. Right on, Ray. Thank you for having me, and thank you for, you know, giving me this opportunity. It's been great. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, man, we'll meet, we'll, we'll, we'll meet face-to-face, I'm sure, one of these days, man. I can't wait. It'll be cool. I actually did meet you once. Uh, Uh-oh. 2000 and, uh, 2011, I think, yeah. uh, after a show in Glasgow in Scotland. He's obsessed. Uh, he actually well, has your, your baby teeth also. <laughs> well, 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 where was that show at? Glad was that at the uh, uh, it was in the, uh, uh, the garage. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would do. Yeah. Uh, okay, was it like one of the meet and greets, or were you just hanging out? Yeah. It was one of the meet and greets afterwards. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'll find you on the social media. I'll know who you are. Well, yeah. it's great to talk to you again, brother. Yeah. And you're gonna you gonna you gonna tour with the Gemini as well? Yeah, yeah. We'll get, um getting all the band together and doing all that stuff. Now, I think a record release show, we're going to do a cool thing in underground Seattle in a weird KV thing. It's, it's a whole other band. Yeah, this thing is going to be really cool. So, yeah, awesome. getting that all together. So by summertime, I'll start having some dates and, and doing that stuff. Awesome. So I, I, can't wait people, I can't wait for people to hear the record, for sure. 
From I mean, obviously, I just played the twenty second clip, but I heard the uh, the whole uh, song of fire, and I'm totally mm-hmm. uh, into it. So, of course, if you make it out to whether it's New York City or Long Island, where I live, you know, I would, I, you know, I want to go to the show, of course, but uh, meet you as well and just you know shake your hand. Uh, Let's do it. Thank you so much, Jeff, cool. for your time. You're welcome, welcome, brother. We'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Um, let me know if you ever need anything. Just let me know. I'm always here. You got my number now. Just text me, whatever, whether it's bad Jewish jokes or just fun stuff. Um, <laughs> much, love, much love, you guys. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm going to go eat some ham and scalloped potatoes. Nice. You enjoy. You enjoy, sir. Thanks, enjoy your bro. Sunday. Enjoy your Easter. Happy Easter. Thank you. Um, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you. You got it, Jeff. Take yeah. care. Okay. Bye, Jeff. Okay, bye. Nice bye, guys. Bye. Bye. So, uh, so that's it, Ray. Unless you have something else to, to say. But uh, before, I guess, uh, we go on my end. Um, you know, a lot of uh, cool guests uh, coming up. I do want to just mention that uh, because it happened, maybe like I'll, I'll Jew guilt him or something. I did get a no from Moby, which sucks. Oh, all right. <laughs> Cause, uh, yeah, because uh, it's funny because um, Mitch Lafon, our buddy Mitch Lafon, interviewed him. And when he, this was actually during a, like a three way uh, email conversation between him I, and Alan Niven at the time. And he's like, oh, I'm going to interview Moby. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Did you ask him about Chinese democracy? It's like, shit, no, I didn't. I just asked him about, like, Slash and stuff. And I was like, well, can I have, like, a contact? So he gave me his Canadian rep because, of course, uh, Mitch is, like, from Canada. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then that person was cool and then forwarded it to Moby's people, and they were just like, oh, we appreciate you thinking of Moby, but unfortunately we're going to have to pass. So oh, well. Oh, that's, well. Yeah, that sucks. So maybe he just didn't yeah, want to talk. Suck, but... Yeah, he's, he's very... I don't know. He did something like a brief interview uh, where he casually mentioned Chinese democracy, but I would love to at some point, you know, from one bald guy to another, Moby. Come on, man. I mean, well, too that, many... our, us bald guys got to stay together. Yeah, that's right. You have no hair either, right? <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> uh, but we have, uh, again, a, a lot of uh, interviews in the coming in the future. Oh, I just actually just got sent if you're following us on Facebook and Twitter, uh, both uh, at the AFD show. Uh, Jack Liu, uh, the first photographer of Guns N' Roses, he sent me a physical copy of of um, the book that he put together with Mark Kanner. Oh yeah, the Reckless Reckless Road. Yeah, Reckless Road. Yeah, yeah, I've got um, that as well. It's great. I had I just I had never bought it. I mean, I had perused it before, but it was nothing that I owned. And he's like, "Really?" He's like, "I'm going to send it to you." I'm like, "Oh, and it's an expensive book." So, <laughs> yeah, so thanks to, to Jack and to get that book uh, specifically from the GNR's first photographer is, is pretty uh, flattering in itself. It's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, so he's going to be coming on. Oh, and uh, another guest um, we're going to be having on that we just confirmed that I'm super excited for, uh, Johnny Kelly from Hookers and Blow. That's the, the, the Guns N' Roses tie, but a typo negative. I don't know yeah. if you're a typo negative uh, were a typo negative fan, right? Because I know they were huge here in New York because they were a Brooklyn band. Of course, the late and great Peter Steele was uh, a character and a half. So just to talk about you know um, you know being on tour with with Hookers and Blow and all that fun stuff, but just to find more uh, yeah. about typo, I'm I'm super excited to to talk to him in the future. I know I think I, I had mentioned that previously, but now it's it's confirmed, uh, which is pretty pretty rad. Yeah, that is pretty rad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's pretty radical. Radical, radical. I'm glad I didn't scare Jeff off with my sound clips. No, I think, I think he quite liked it. He quite enjoyed that, actually. Yeah, I think so. So I try to create a fun, a fun environment. I hope you had fun, Ray. Uh, I know. Yeah, I... great time. Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Now we're. Oh, now you are officially. Now you can say it. 
You're, you're a bad apple, Ray. You were always a bad apple, but I guess now it's official. So yeah, this is something going forward for you. For, for those of you who are listening, you know, I, I want to make this a unique podcast. Yes, it's it's Guns N' Roses focused. Uh, yes, it's led by me, but I want to create this fun broadcast where you know I've had you know since Scotto had left, um, you know I've had different kind of uh, co-hosts on. Some people that I know, you know, my, my cousin Sean was on with when we interviewed Christopher Thorne, Thorne or when we had London and, London and Nico on. I had uh, Mickey Squeeze from uh, Midnight Mob. These are people I know. But you, I mean, I air quote knew you, uh, but I just thought it would be a cool opportunity for not for the show, but I think it's, and for you, but I think it's a cool yeah. opportunity for, for fans going forward because I really want you to be involved in this show uh, because it's my brain it's my baby there's really no one really telling me what to do with this yet i guess yeah. uh so i want you to be a part of it and, and who knows maybe the next interview you will be the co-host and you will get to uh, to interview somebody that you have a tattoo of as well so who knows in in the future so and uh again i gotta thank uh alternative nation uh because they're gonna help us spread the word uh and hopefully more podcasts having it up there and if any of you have a podcast out there that's unique and then you want a certain platform submit it so go to go alternative nation.net and and perhaps you will have your podcast featured because it's the wild wild west out here as far as podcasts so and i've been very grateful that i've gotten now completed 55 episodes and i've had you know thousands of thousands of uh listeners to the show and it's just uh pretty fucking overwhelming and you included ray listeners from around the world people i would never <laughs> I would never know if it wasn't for this podcast, if it wasn't for Guns N' Roses. I would have no idea uh, to, to meet all these awesome and, and cool people. Uh, so um, I think what you're doing is great, man. It's, it's, a, it's such a great show, and I always look forward to it uh, when I know there's another new episode coming up. I'm, I'm always waiting for it, so well, yeah, I, thank you for that. I, I, I appreciate it. I really do, and I say it humbly. I'm not just one of those people like, oh, yeah, thanks, you know, whatever. No, no, like, <laughs> I, I mean it. It's, just, it's overwhelming. If anything, I kind of downplay stuff. Uh, but yeah, and it, if you can always find us, I mean, whatever you've been listening to us on, yeah, I guess you can keep it up. But uh, Spreaker, uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, of course, uh, SoundCloud, and of course, follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the AFD show, and uh, Twitter at the AFD show. So uh, that concludes episode 55, my friend. So as far as the next episode of the AFD show, uh, when will you hear it? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.